Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hey guys, it's Justin. Day two of New York City Comic Con is complete. You're listening to a very quick wrap up coming from Talking Comics. I'm Justin Townsend and I'm here with Mr. Rob Newmeyer. How's it going? And Mr. Hugh Parry. Hello. So, us three amigos got to walk around the con today and I'm going to say that we had a spectacular time. Yeah, uh, it was it was hilarious. We had a great time singing songs, uh, numerous songs from you two. Oh, totally, totally. We saw a lot of people. Um, yeah, I, th- there was just a lot to look forward to today. Yes. So uh, we got there this morning uh, before the doors opened, uh, which was so strange for me because while you guys went off and did uh, what you guys did, we'll get into that in a minute. I went and got a cup of coffee, and I was online at Starbucks for basically my entire life. And I looked outside and I saw this massive, massive, massive line forming. And it was just a surreal moment for me because I was like, last year I was on that line. And this year I'm inside getting coffee while all these people are standing outside. And it was just like a like, wow, what a crazy year that I'm now inside looking out at everybody else and kind of being like, ha ha. No, not at, not at all, not at all. Um, so while I was getting coffee, you guys went and you uh, you had a little Marvel thing. Rob, why don't you tell me about that? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I, I run a store out on Long Island, so we had a chance to go to a Marvel retailer panel this morning. Um, I was able to bring Hugh with me. And basically, it's they invite all the retailers to come ask questions, and they were just giving us information about up- upcoming projects. Um, that that's what we were expecting, at least. But you got more than you expected. A little bit more. I'll say just um, a teeny bit more. So on the way in, we kind of had a clue something was going on, uh, because as we walked in, what what happened to you here? Um, well, I walked in with my big SLR camera that I've been carrying around with me the last few days, um, and the guy spotted me straight away, and the first thing he said to me was like, you're going to have to put that back in your bag, and he was like, don't even take your phone out of your pocket, and we were like, oh, okay. And right off the bat, I kind of knew what was going to be happening. Usually when that happens, that means that they're going to be giving us a sneak peek of something. And, I mean, obviously, Age of Ultron is around the corner, so Hugh and I looked right at each other, and we were like, oh my god, okay, this is going to be great. We sat down, they spat it off a little bit, and they were like, okay, well, we're just going to start off with the treat. 
So lights go down, and on the screen pops up Ant-Man. And they showed us uh, a good one-minute clip, I would say. Some uh, good back and forth between uh, Michael Douglas and... Paul Rudd. Yeah, Paul Rudd. Uh, Michael Douglas sounds amazing. He sounds perfect. You know, cocky, doesn't give a crap. He just wants Paul Rudd to get in there and know how to use his suit right away. And, uh, yeah, so it looked great. Uh, definitely not finely polished, I guess you could say. Well, it's, it, still, it's still really early in filming. Correct, that. yeah, yeah. So that this was most likely test footage with, with just voiceover. Um, what do you think of the footage, though? Oh, I've, I really liked it. It shows a lot of promise. I mean, it, it was the basis of the footage was... Um, started off with a voiceover and the camera zooming in on the Ant-Man helmet and then it cut to what we assume was uh, Scott Lang running around, shrunk down and he was on the back of a, on an ant and the ant is running along, comes grinding to a halt and he comes falling off and he hits his helmet on the floor and it starts malfunctioning so they can't communicate anymore and he stood on top of this building and something's chasing him and um, Hank Pym basically tells him to jump off the edge of the building so he does and as he's falling another ant comes along just swoops under him and picks him up and flies him off and then the Ant-Man title came up it was really exciting and like say the the CG in it was a little bit rough. It it did look like very very sort of basic footage, but it it was very very cool. And then right after that, on the screen popped up uh, something from Marvel Animation, and it's the new Guardians of the Galaxy show. Um, looks really tight. Uh, great great flowing animation. Uh, voices perfect. Some really, really cool stuff with Rocket Raccoon and Star-Lord. That's like, awesome. First meeting. Um, but then, like, the main course came, and it was a good four minutes of Age of Ultron footage. I don't know if I want to get deep into it. I, I don't want to spoil yeah, stuff. Yeah, I not spoil but, anything, but basic thoughts. Uh, this movie is going to break box office records, hands down. Um, it's definitely... A much darker movie, a lot of creepy things, um, and it looks like it's just going to be a nonstop brawl. I cannot wait to see this footage. Uh-huh. So you guys came out, you know, and the first thing you were like walking all solemnly, and you're like, "Yeah, we we saw Ultron footage. I'm sorry." <laughs> and immediately, I was like, "I knew it. I knew that's what, what was going to happen." But I was so excited that you know Q's here on vacation, and that you know he got to see the footage. I mean. That's pretty like a, like a pretty amazing memory that you got to see Ultron footage months before anybody else while while you're on vacation. So that was cool. Yeah, uh, and then we hit the floor. Well, before that, before uh, we go into the floor, okay. there were a couple of comic book announcements. Oh yeah. Um, let's see what they say. Uh, well, the Squirrel Girl stuff has been out there at this yep. point, but um, the but other the, female. But the big book, thing yeah. that they said in this is kind of before it was even really announced. They were like, look, we love the response that you guys gave us. Uh, Edge of Spider-Verse 2 was overselling, and 
like blew away our expectations and they were like it's an ongoing book uh it's starting up very soon it's going to be the same creative team and the whole audience like went nuts and i mean this is an audience of retailers so they're just all super happy because they know the sales that they brought in from the spider-verse book so just knowing that that gwen is going to be back and in an ongoing oh that I was not wait that was my mo- the most exciting part of the day for me was just when you came out and said yeah they're doing an ongoing of you know spider gwen i jumped up and down pretty much i was really excited uh, we didn't get to talk about it at the end of yesterday's little mini podcast but marvel went ahead and announced their their big big event which i mean they're calling their the biggest thing they've ever done which in comic book lingo doesn't carry very much weight but rob you said that the Secret Wars really seems like, you know, the who was it on stage that said that like, this is the big thing? Like, this is a really big deal. Yeah, that was Tom Brevoort. Oh, yeah, okay. That, you know, they might use that ling- lingo a lot, but whatever is going to happen here with the Secret Wars, with the multiverse, everything Hickman's been planning, it seems like it is going to be a really big deal. And also tying into that, what was the thing that you saw at the end of the panel? Uh, well... The news is out there, obviously, that Fantastic Four is going to be canceled. And there had been previous rumors that that Marvel is going to be phasing out the Fantastic Four and the X-Men just because they don't want to promote Fox's uh, movie properties. So at the end, they threw up a panel. And the first one was, uh, it said... Uh, The end is forever. Yeah, the end is forever. And, you know, for Fantastic Four... Uh, but the next one, it was just an image of Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, and it said, no more mutants. Uh, and I mean, those are the words that, that Scarlet Witch uttered during House of M to kind of get rid of all the X-Men, yeah. or all the mutants. Uh, but th- I think this just has a more sinister tone, because... Uh, also, throughout the presentation, they just had their emphasis very, very heavy on the Inhumans. Um, they said, look out for the Inhumans. There's going to be a big, big publishing initiative based around them. Uh, Miss Marvel is going to be showing up in an issue coming up. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're pushing heavily, heavily on Inhuman stuff. So, it looks like these, what people thought were... You know, dumb rumors about four or five months ago. Are it seems to be gaining some traction now. Correct. Yes. So that's. I mean, that's all really interesting stuff, especially when you you know, it's interesting that that they chose Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch, who are now coming into the Avengers and Age of Ultron, and uh, their origins there might be coming into focus uh, a little bit more. But we'll have to wait and see about that type of stuff. So after that, after all that good news that you came out with, uh, we did get to hit the show floor. Um, we walked around uh, around for a bit. Um, we got to do two interviews today. Uh, I was able to interview um, Gary Brown, uh, who is the new artist on Catwoman. And I got to interview the editor-in-chief of uh, Valiant Comics, um, Warren Simons, uh, who was just, both were incredibly nice. Um, 
I was joking around with Bobby yesterday that you know these are my first interviews, and on my second one, I got to do the editor uh, interview the editor in chief of Valiant, and he couldn't have been more pleasant and um, more engaging, more nice to me. Um, you did great. Oh. I mean, honestly, we were listening in from the side. I mean, the lead up, you did seem nervous, but you didn't need to be nervous whatsoever. You you were natural. I had to put on my A game because I knew that Hugh was just taking pictures of me the entire time. <laughs> sneaky pictures. Um, so there wasn't we- anything sneaky about it. No, you were you were pretty much right out in front of me taking pictures. But Hugh, why don't you tell me, um, you know, a little bit like uh, how. Tell me about your experience at the con. I mean, you're here. You're here from Wales. Your first time in New York. First time at New York Comic Con, obviously. So, give me like a little brief rundown of you know how the last two days have gone for you. Oh man, it's it's been an absolute trip. Um, just mind blowing. The scale of the convention is just huge. I mean, considering the biggest convention I've ever been to, the show floor was probably about the same size as the room that Artist Alley is in. Like Me and Rob walked through the door on the first day, and I just looked at him and I was like, man, this place is huge. Java Center is a big building. Uh, yeah, it is a, it is a beast. Um, and it's just been incredible. We've seen some really cool people. We've spoken to even more. We've walked around singing about things that people are doing um, and seeing that Age of Ultron footage was just man that was an absolute thrill that was such a privilege I mean I just had the, the hairs on the back of my neck were standing up and I actually had tears of joy in my eyes it was amazing well don't brag about it or um, <laughs> no 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 it's fine I'll, I'll play it down um but yeah, I mean, it's so far it's just lived up to my expectations and possibly even surpassed them. And I'm just the next few days could be even better. I mean, with the Batman panel tomorrow, yeah, that's, and, gonna, be, that's gonna be good. Um, I'm hoping to get to the Women of Marvel panel as well. Hope and hopefully I can cross off the other two things on my list by meeting Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo, and Kelly Sue DeConnick. So. So far, I'm uh, making pretty good progress on my on my list of things to do, and I've met so many people that I've met through the podcast. It's been absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's right. We um we got to run into a couple of listeners today from both mm-hmm. Talking Games and Talking Comics. Um, we ran into Super Bad Larry. Yep, um, that man is like he burns like the sun. He's incredible. Yeah, he came up and just from his persona on Twitter, I was like. Oh God, he's he's the exact same person on and off. Uh, what a, an absolute delight to meet him. Um, we got to I finally got to meet Ryan Carroll, who I've been on the book club with a bunch of times. And Ryan, that is the smartest high schooler I think I've ever seen in my life. So it was really nice to meet him. We met up with Melissa Megan of the Misfits. Yep. Um, yesterday we got to see Lauren and Grace. Yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've got to meet up with a couple of people. Tomorrow night, we're hopefully going to dinner. Jackie, who's sitting very quietly to my right, uh, is going to be coming in uh, for the meetup. So, I mean, that's exciting. Um, and, I mean, Hugh, just being able to walk around with you today and, you know, it was like, Hugh, buy this. Like, this is really good. Read this. Like, we, while we were at Valiant and we were talking with one of their PR uh, PR guys, I was saying, like, oh, Archer and Armstrong is my favorite Valiant series. All of a sudden, you come over and you're like, well, I bought all the trades. 
Yeah, I mean, th- three trades for twenty dollars, you can't really go wrong. So, you know, it's quite funny when you buy three trades of a comic and just walk up to the editor in chief and go, "You just got a new reader." So that was yeah. a really cool moment. But yeah, it, it's a little bit surreal. So, Rob, why don't you tell me? Um a little bit about what's going on with you. Like, you know, what are some of the things that you've seen that you liked? Um, I mean, you got to meet um, a couple of, uh, like a, a writer and artist today, get some stuff signed. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted to go and say hello to Kieran Gillen and uh, McKelvey. Uh, they're great people, super, super nice. Uh, we walk by and wave to Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky. And they were pretty much... They were um, swamped. Yeah, they were swamped. But if you just were looking at them, now I couldn't hear what they were saying. But looking at them, I'm like, I could tell that that was them just from their Twitter personalities and like the way that they write sex criminals. It was like they were acting in a way that I would expect them to act, which was just really cool to see. Yeah, yeah, they totally play off of each other, and it's it's hilarious. You know, you could just sit there and and watch that show. Um, other than that, though. I mean, you know, I've I've been to the con many, many, many times, and I kind of quote unquote get off by seeing other people's reactions to the con. So yeah, so like I'm living this con through Hugh's eyes. So seeing him so excited to you know walk into a room and see this person or that person, the the energy just flows through, and it gets me all psyched up. So. You know, that that's how it is for me. Uh, but yeah, we still have two more days, and there's much, much more to see. There's going to be tons of announcements tomorrow. Uh, Marvel is going to be showing some Daredevil footage. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's great. You know, it's funny. We've been here for two days. I've been walking around, and there are still a few different aisles that I haven't even got a chance uh, to walk down. There's a whole bunch of like actual real books I want to look at. I'm seeing breaking news being handed to me as we speak. Wow, so uh, breaking news. You'll, he- you'll well, have already heard this by the time you listen to this, but um, Scott Snyder and Jock's Witches got, gets the big screen option. So it looks like they're going to be making this into a movie. Uh-huh. I love when they just take one issue and they're like, this is movie material. Uh, that's great. Good, good, good for him, man. Yeah. They deserve it. Oh, absolutely. That's I mean, great. I haven't got to read witches yet. Um, oh, it's funny because Bobby was walking around with me yesterday and it was just like, yeah, I don't do horror stuff. And he's like, but you picked up witches. I'm like, I don't know if I'm even going to like it yet, but it's Scott Snyder, so I don't know how I'm not going to like it. That's great. So everyone run out and buy a copy if you haven't yet because... That's probably going to be worth some money. Uh, no, not even the, the fact that, that... It's just because all the people who will buy up copies and then sell them on eBay will beat you to it. Ah, so if you, if you have not bought your copy yet and you were intending to, just just I would run and do that. So that's going to pretty much wrap it up for us. I mean, as Rob said, we got some, some more things to do tomorrow. We're going to be hitting some panels. We have some more interviews lined up for tomorrow. We'll see if any surprise ones come along the way. Um, and uh, yeah, we're ho- hopeful for more major announcements. Um, I know on Sunday is the Spider-Verse panel. So we'll see what gets announced there. Same thing with the Batman panel tomorrow. Um, So we'll definitely check back in for a little mini podcast tomorrow. But until then, stay tuned for the next issue of Talking Comics. What's up, guys? It's time for our day three recap. It's Talking Comics here at 
New York Comic Con. I am sitting in a hallway with numerous people around us with Mr. Hugh Parry. Hello. Miss Jackie Turner. Hello. And Miss Melissa Megan. Hello. How is everybody doing? Um, achy. Yes. <laughs> Everyone is kind of achy. In a word. We found a carpeted spot to sit down because this is much more pleasant than sitting on concrete. So our day's been pretty good, I'll say. Um, it was raining this morning, of course, while we, we were walking in here, so not the best of weather. But uh, once we got inside, um, we had a couple things in the morning. I had two interviews in the morning. I got to interview um, the writers of uh, Earth 2. I got to interview um, Len Wein, who has uh, uh, created Daredevil and Swamp Thing. Um, and after those, I mean, you guys will be able to hear those interviews uh, later in the week. They're all terrific people. Um, after that, Hugh and me got online to go see the Batman 75 panel. Then Jackie came in and was like, somebody come get me. So we got off the line. I got <laughs> off the line and met her. But Hugh, while we were online, there was, uh, we were able to see the Marvel Cup of Joe panel. Mm-hmm. And um, what were some of the announcements that were made there? Um, yeah, there was a, a few um Biggish announcement. Um, the first one being um, a title called Black Vortex, which I believe is a first. It's a Guardians of the Galaxy and X Men crossover book, um, which will also include Captain Marvel, Nova, all new X Men, Cyclops, and more. Um, it's an event that begins in February. Um, there was also a five issue miniseries called Operation Sin. From Catherine Inman, Inman, uh, Immanen and Rich Ellis, with a cover by Michael Cormack, um, which is starring Peggy Carter, Howard Stark, and Woodrow McCord as they unite for a new adventure spinning out of the blockbuster Original Sin series. That's on sale January next year. Um, also, a, there was a title announced which I didn't catch much information for. I've heard um, what I did catch is that it was a young adult um, title. And it's called Max Ride First Flight, and it's by Marguerite Bennett with art from Alex Sanchez. That uh, that book um, they're calling it Max Flight, but it is a James Patterson young adult novel. Um, it was Maximum Ride, excuse me, and um, I guess they're doing this mini series. It's about it's a team book where their teens are like 98% human, 2% avian, so they have wings and they can fly. Um, and uh, so James Patterson came on and introduced it. Were there any other announcements there, Hugh? Or was that it for the, uh, for the Marvel stuff? In terms of announcements of new titles, yes. I mean, they, um, they showed some interior art from all-new Captain America and the covers for... Avengers issue 40 and New Avengers 29, which I believe I either tweeted through my account or also through the Talking Comics account, but in terms of announcement, that was it from the Cup of Joe. And when I went and got Jackie, which we'll get into in a second, we're going to get Jackie's view of Comic-Con, uh, you got to sit in on the Batman 75 panel, so I did. how was that? Um, really cool. Um, it was basically a panel full of... Um, people who are synonymous with Batman so you had Jeff Johns Kevin Conroy Neil Adams uh, Greg Capullo Scott Snyder and Jim Lee um, there weren't any announcements but it was just cool seeing 
a group of people who have, you know, shaped the character for probably, I would imagine, the last 30 years talking about the history of a character. They showed some, um, like, a reveal of the cover art for Volume 2 of Earth, Batman Earth 1 um, from Jeff Johns and Gary Frank. And they also showed some um, pencils from um, the interior out of that book as well. Um, but, you know, it was a lot of... Um, they went through the different eras of Batmans, but um, each person spoke about what that era meant to them. They spoke about who their favourite villains were. Um, there was also a vote on um, how best to pronounce Raz al Ghul. Um, and the majority was Raz, not Raish. Um, much to Neil Adams' chagrin, um, but yeah, it was good fun. It was um, quite funny watching Neil Adams have his uh, stick to his habit of liking to have the last word and uh, talking his head off. Um, but yeah, it was really enjoyable. Excellent, excellent. Um, Jackie, this is your first con, if I'm correct. Yes, it is. My first con ever, any kind. Okay, so since this is your first con, I just want you to tell me so far about your experience. Like, what what has it been like for you? Uh, I know when we walked in the door, you were like, this is way too many people. <laughs> so just um, give us like a, a minute or two of just, a, you know, what your initial impressions of being at Comic-Con are. Okay. I say just the walk here from Penn Station in itself, very interesting. You start walking past. I mean, New York is already crazy. On any given day, you walk past people in costume. But this was even crazier. Um, When I first got in, it's never seen that many people in one place at the same time, which is, I just couldn't believe it. And I was stood like at the top of the escalator and I texted Justin and said, please come get me because there is just no way I'm going to be able to find you. So he finally found me and we walked around. I basically said, just show me something interesting. You know what, like, show me something interesting. So we went, uh, we looked at Image and uh, he picked out, what was it I had to get? Rat Queens. Rat Queens. So I have that to try when I get home. Um, And then I have a 10-year-old son. So we also um, went and got him, uh, who does those ones? Uh, Boom. Okay, so the two regular show comics, the first two, and I got them signed with little doodles on, which are adorable. Um, so I got those, but it's it's overwhelming. Like the amount of people, the amount of stuff to see, and the amount of stuff to do here. I can see why it's as long as it is because I've been here for like five hours and I'm wiped, but I've seen like tiny, tiny little portion of what there is. And this is just on Saturday. Like, you know, I think I was talking to Hugh earlier who said that the great thing about this conference is there's something different happening on each of the days. It's not the same thing and you just pick a day. There's something different every single day. Yeah, I mean, there's there's quite a few tables that have got different people at them uh, in Artists Alley. I think there's a few different exhibitors on the main show floor. Um, and I've never seen that. I've never seen, you know, a bit of a, a turnover in terms of the exhibitors. So it's, it's good in the way that it keeps thing, things fresh, that's for sure. Right. And then also highlight of the day, which everyone's going to be like, really? That's the highlight of the day? I saw DMC. How exciting. That's very exciting. I know you were very <laughs> excited about it. All right, so that's, that's, some, that's some good thoughts from Jackie. Melissa. Hi. Hi. 
<laughs> Melissa is one of the co-hosts of the Misfits podcast, and this is our first time actually ever sitting down and recording anything together. It's our uh, first time ever sitting down together, period. Yes, that is true. <laughs> uh, you weren't, you didn't, I wanted to be able to talk to you yesterday, but it just didn't work out. And I'm in a way that that's kind of good because I'd love to get your impressions. I mean, you've been coming to these things for a while. You've had a press pass for a while. Um, we were talking about that earlier. But uh, this year, you're not on a press pass. You're kind of just going about on your own. I'm and, a free agent. Yes, you're a free year. agent this year. <laughs> so tell me about um, what that's been like for you to be back on the floor as a free agent, as you said. And... Um, like what the first two days of the con have been like for you? Like what have you experienced? What have you seen that you thought was cool? Anything like that? Well, the first thing I did when I walked in the door uh, yesterday was I got to meet Kelly Sue DeConnick, which was really exciting for me because, uh, you know, even though I've been coming a couple years and I know people like Bob Ryer, who spent a lot of time with her, I always seem to miss uh, her when she's around. So I got to have a nice kind of casual conversation with her this morning when she wasn't doing a signing. Um, and she's really incredibly nice and sweet and easygoing. I heard that. Didn't she like grab your phone and was like, let's take a selfie. Yeah. She just grabbed my phone and started shooting selfies with me and kind of like started touching my hair and asking me questions about my color. And it, it was really strange, but awesome. <laughs> I've never had the pleasure of actually meeting her, but I watched her interact with other people from a distance and I'm like she is exactly how she is described like she is a ball of I would you say about super bad Larry yesterday yes yeah, a force of nature that's what she seems yeah. to be I think she makes everybody feel like they've known her for a long time yeah. instantly um, and you know which is really cool because if you've met any creators and people that have been in this business for a while it can be a little bit of a disappointment sometimes because some of them are very distracted and they don't really give you the time to have conversation um, but she's not one of those people at all that's cool so that, that was the first thing I did I was in the door probably for 10 minutes and then I well that's a that's a great way to start the day yeah I hooked up with her um, and my friend Danny so um, the con this year for me has been you know more about what I want to do instead of just covering news and trying to gather information for the site. Um, and for me, it's all about uh, discovering new people, especially artists. So I spend a lot of time um, in Artist Alley. Um, I've got a book right here from an artist named Celia Cali or Calla. I'm not sure how you, it's C A L L E is her last name. Cali, probably. Yeah. And I've never seen her work before, but I was so impressed with that I bought this gigantic, it's gorgeous looking, yeah, expensive book that I now get to carry around with me for the rest of the day. <laughs> um, so yeah, and I, I got to chat with the guys at Forty Four Flood, who, as everybody knows, you know, are favorites of Steve and I. Yeah. So we always make a point to hang out with them every year. Um, we'll be going to their gallery opening uh, later tonight. Excellent. Yeah. So just a lot of socializing, although I find myself still hanging out with everybody from the site, even though I'm not covering. Well, we got a whole different crew here this year because we still can't find Bob Ryer. Yeah. We thought like if we, if we just kept tailing Kelly Sue, we might run into him. But so far, it hasn't happened. No. The, I saw him once today, and it was the same way I saw him last year, which was by literally running into him. So I think you just have to be in the right time at the right place to find Bob. Yeah, you get run into a lot here at the con. <laughs> Um, my experience for today, I mean, like I said before, I, I got to interview uh, Marguerite Bennett and uh, Mike Johnson from uh, Earth Two Worlds End, which is a real big treat. I got to uh, interview Lem Ween, who's doing that lost episode of Batman 66, so he's bringing it to print. 
and you know um I'm still kind of new at interviews and he was like ah no problem I'll take over and he just started talking and talking and talking I'm like oh you're making my job so easy thank you so much um but after that I got to just hit the show floor um for the first time and just like I had no other scheduled interviews or anything so um walking around with friends is is always awesome it's just always so hard to stay together me and Jackie were trailing you two by like 25 feet and I kept every three or four seconds I was like I lost them I lost them again (laughs) and I just feel Jackie holding on my backpack stop losing them um I love coming to the like uh to the cons and just buying trades um today I was able to pick up uh all four, I guess, like deluxe volumes of uh, Greg Rucka's Queen and Country. Nice. And uh, it was nice. They were having a sale, so they were originally $20 each, and it was like, oh, if you buy all four, you get them for $60. And they're like big books, so I know Rob champions this book. A lot of uh, listeners of Talking Comics champion the book, so I'm, I'm excited to get back and read it. Um, right now, it is about 610. Um, we're going to run right after this is done recording. Go back to Artist Alley. Hugh, you got a... Um, Who'd you get a sketch from today? Um, I got um, Ryan Stegman's on Artist Alley doing um, five-minute sketches. Um, so when he was done, um, he pointed me in the direction of Edgar Delgado um, and said if, if I wanted to, I could go and um, ask him to colour it for me. So uh, when we're done here, I'll be going to pick it up and I'll tweet a photo of it. Yeah, it was... Uh it was amazing to just sit and watch. That was the first time I've ever watched an artist. Like, you know, you, you're walking up and down Artist Alley and you see guys drawing, but you're always just like, oh, there's Mateo Scalera. And then, oh, whoa, Sean Murphy's over here. Let me go look at his stuff. So when I was next to you watching him draw, it was amazing. He was like, oh, well, what are you looking for? And so you're like, oh, I like the superior one. And they set a clock at five minutes. And at the end, you're like, I couldn't like do this if my life depended on it. And you're like sitting here, He's having a conversation with you, me, and some guy who just walked up, looking up, asking why you first came to Florida when you came to the States, Yeah, <laughs> which is a funny thing. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but it was amazing to just watch and see an artist, you know, do their craft where their, their mind is on like 10 other things and they're drawing something that's absolutely gorgeous. Um, I'm really excited to see what it looks like when we go have Edgar colored in, which we're going to go do right now. Oh, yeah. So, guys, this has been the day three wrap-up for New York Comic Con. Um, We're going to try and have a show tomorrow. We're not sure who exactly is coming in tomorrow because my legs feel like they're going to fall off. Everybody's legs feel like they're going to fall off. Um, Rob wasn't able to make it in today, but we're hopeful he'll be uh, able to come back in tomorrow and we'll be able to do another show. Hello, this is Hugh Parry for Talking Comics with a recap of Sunday at New York Comic Con. Um, and I am here with Rob Newmeyer. Hey! Um, basically, Sunday was a whirlwind of awesome and um, information, so um, we'll get started. Um, we got through the doors just after the... Um, just after they opened um, and we headed straight to Artist Alley because I wanted to get tickets for the Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo signing um, but by the time we got there the lady who was handing them out said that all 80 were gone in like two minutes so that was disappointing um, but thankfully due to the help of um, Lauren and Grace um, we came up with an alternative idea. It was, it was a bit of a long shot, but it was worth a go. So me and Rob headed to um, the press area, 
because the press area includes the VIP lounge where they were due to do a sign-in about half an hour after we got there. So me and Rob sat there, and thankfully after a little bit of waiting, um, they both showed up, and they were good enough to stop for me, signed a few books. Um, Greg Capullo um, was talking to us for a good three or four minutes whilst Scott Snyder was on the phone, um, and I managed to get a photo taken with them as well and um, basically I had a massive fanboy moment which I'm sure Rob will describe to you in detail right now No, it was great because while we were there, you know, Hugh obviously was doing a lot of stuff for the site the the two or three things that he really, really wanted uh, he, he got to do a lot of them, but the last was meeting Greg and Scott, and it was kind of nerve-wracking because it was the last day. We had already exhausted any type of ticket options or waiting on lines and stuff like that. So just to have the opportunity to have them stop and talk to them, I, I, you know, I went up and I was like, you know, look, you just made made his his whole week basically. He he came here. To see you guys, basically. So it was cool. Uh, they're such nice guys. Um, and hopefully uh, we, we get them on the show soon again. Uh, just awesome, awesome, awesome people. So after that, though, uh, the last thing that we had to do before like our panel schedule was starting up, uh, we saw Bob Ryer walking along. He had his coffee. Uh, turns out it wasn't his coffee. He was going to see Kelly Sue, and we definitely wanted to go say hello. Uh, I mean, she's a friend of the show, a beautiful person. So we followed Bob to the show floor, went to the image booth, uh, hung around for a bit, and she was doing a signing there. Uh, she sent Bob on a little task. It was funny. We walked up, and, and she was like, oh, my God, Bob, you're an angel. She needed caffeine, obviously. Uh, so Bob went to go get some uh, posters, I guess they were, from Artist Alley to run back to her. There were these really, really cool Bitch Planet posters, and I cannot wait for that book. Uh, mm-hmm. Art looks beautiful. So we just stood there. Bob got back. He introduced us. Uh, we got a couple of things signed. Hugh got a nice big hug and a duck face selfie, <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, if you go to his Twitter, you can see like a lot of the funny little side personal pictures that he took. Um, but again, then, then he went into full reporter mode because we had a good three or four panels worth of information that, that we went to. Uh, the first one being the Axel in charge. Uh, so what got announced there? Um, yeah, there was a few announcements made, some of which were extremely interesting. Um, the first of all, which I'm quite excited about and I'm sure many other people will be about, is um, Jeff Lemire will be starting a new volume of Hawkeye in 2015. 
Um, and they also announced a Ant-Man ongoing from Nick Spencer with art by Ramon Rosana starting in January next year. And which which it was Scott Lang, right? Uh huh. Okay. Yep. It will be um, Hank Pym will be in the book, but the primary character will be Scott Lang. Um, they also showed us some of the interiors, which look absolutely gorgeous. Um, then they announced the Phil Noto will be um coming up with a series of covers called Phil Noto Covers the Marvel Universe, um, which will be a series of variant covers coming in February. Um, There's a photo of that from the panel on the Twitter page. Um, They also showed some covers from Kieran Gillen's um, Young Young Avengers and Darth Vader books that are coming up. And they also revealed the cover art for um, Angela Issue 1 and Kieran Gillen and Marguerite Bennett both spoke about that they also showed the raw cover art without any text for issue issues two and three um so yeah there was plenty of information coming from that um so once that was done um we basically hunkered down and stayed in the room for the women of marvel panel which was it was buzzing that room was incredible just even before they started kelly sue just whipped the room into a fever and it was incredible to see yeah see that that's one of the things about some of these panels um they don't clear the rooms in between panels uh they only do that on the main stage so like for the walking dead and uh the batman 75th anniversary was that held on the main stage um no they um Basically, when when I went into that, um, Lauren and Grace had held seats for me, so they didn't clear that room. Okay, so The Walking Dead, I know, was in the main stage. Uh, like the Daredevil cast, they they held that on the main stage. But the smaller panels, even though they're big, but they call them smaller, um, if you plan things correctly, and let's say you want to see the woman in Marvel panel, there may be some instances where you have to sit through a couple of panels just to get seats. Uh, Because if you just wait outside for the 3 o'clock start time and think that you can get right in, a lot of those seats are already taken. Uh, We had a couple of friends that that couldn't make it in because there were were people that were just seat holding. Uh, And I would say a lot of those people were waiting for the next panel, not even the women in Marvel, which was a big turnout, they were waiting for um, an Avatar panel that was being held next. So uh, I find that quite annoying because, <laughs> you know, there were, there was literally a group of people surrounding me just talking, reading books, not even paying attention. Meanwhile, like, there are fans sitting outside that, that couldn't get in. Uh, so I wish there was... <laughs> some kind of room clearing or, you know, I don't know. It's, they need to change a little something up. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, we we were lucky enough in the fact that, I mean, we, we legitimately wanted to see both of the panels that we stayed in the room for. So, but it, it is a broken system. I mean, a lot, a lot of people probably missed out on panels that they wanted to see because of that. Um, so yeah, in terms of announcements from the um, Women in Marvel panel, um, 
there was a young adult prose novel um, from Margaret Stoll announced, which will be released in spring 2015. Um... And they also confirmed that there will be a Gamora ongoing from Nicole Pullman, the writer of the Guardians of the Galaxy um, movie script. That I'm, I'm really excited for that. Uh, just, just to see what you know, what she could bring to to Gamora. Yeah, and the 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 cover by Fran- Francesco Martina is absolutely stunning. Again, there's a photo of that on the Twitter feed. Um, they also announced something which I'm quite excited for, and Lauren leant over and whispered to me, I might have to start reading an X-book when they um, announced it, that starting with X-Men 23, G. Willow Wilson will be writing a four-part story called The Burning World, which starts in January 2015. Um, but that was it for announcements for that panel, but I think in terms of just energy and how much fun and how inspiring a panel was, I I think the Women in Marvel panel was was my favourite of the weekend. It was it was incredible. Just just the energy in the room was just awe inspiring. Yeah, and in uh, in both of those panel, in the Axel panel and the Women in Marvel panel, it was crazy to see how great of a reaction uh, Miss Marvel book got. First off, G. Willow was treated like a rock star. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, the room, both, both rooms, not even just the Women in Marvel panel, but the Axel panel, like, erupted when she was uh, announced. And just the love for her and for that book... Um, it even flowed into to the next panel we went to see, which was the uh, the Spider Verse panel. Spider Verse. That's that's how you had to say it, uh, because on the panel, uh, obviously Dan Slott was there, um, but him and Christos Gage both said that Miss Marvel is their favorite book that Marvel is putting out right now. Uh, other than Amazing Spider-Man, obviously. Um, but yeah, she she is just getting so much attention, uh, so much love. And it was kind of cool because Marvel uh, actually said that their digital sales for that book are like mind-bending. They can't, they can't believe how much that book is selling digitally. Which, again... It brings more people into shops, uh, you know, just the attention that it brings towards books in general. So that that's that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next up for us then was the um, Spider Verse <laughs> panel. As um, is it, Nicolo? Uh yes. Yeah, Nicolo, the chief editor of the Spidey books. Um, every time he spoke those words, had to say it like that. Um. And this was just wall-to-wall announcements. <laughs> Hugh couldn't even type fast enough. Uh, in the beginning, they kind of had some technical difficulties, uh, so the computer wasn't working, so they had some filler stuff. But once that computer got working, it was like bang, bang, bang. Uh, so crazy. Yeah, it was literally... I would take a photo, start typing a tweet, and I would have to close the Twitter app and to take another photo. 
Um, so going back on um, what Rob was saying about Ms. Marvel with Dan Slott, he had words to the effect of he believes that Ms. Marvel right now is the one book that Marvel are doing that actually captures the core of Spider-Man, which Mr. Bob Ryer called um, quite a while ago. So they kicked off with a few um, reveals of interior art for Amazing Spider-Man issue 7, which includes um, the first appearance of UK Spider-Man. Um, they showed us the textless cover art for um, Amazing Spider-Man issue 8, which includes the MC2 Spider-Girl, and is also uh, Ms. Marvel is on the cover as well. Um, they showed us some interiors from Humberto Ramos, which look, you know, predictably stunning. Um, next up, they announced um, that the Edge of Spider-Verse issue 5, which is out um, this coming Wednesday, which is written by Gerard Way um, in his first work for Marvel, and the cover that, for that is extremely cool. It is. That got, that got a huge response. Uh, you know, they spoke his name, and the, the crowd went nuts. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Umbrella Academy is quite highly regarded. So um, they also showed some interior pages by Jake Wyatt, which are absolutely gorgeous. Really, really cool. Um, They then showed the cover art for Amazing Spider-Man issue 9, which, again, is absolutely gorgeous. All of the art from this panel just looks stunning. And they showed us interiors from Olivia Copiel, which... Again, beautiful, beautiful, beautiful stuff. They showed us the cover for Amazing Spider-Man um, number 10, which will be part two of the Spider-Verse um, story arc. Um, and some interiors, no colours, just the inks and pencils, which just, are, like, Olivia Koipel's art is absolutely beautiful. Um, I, th- I think his art for this run is going to be brilliant. So then we hit the... The announcements stage of it in terms of new titles. So the first one to hit will be um, an ongoing book for the new Silk character by Robbie Thompson and Stacey Lee. Um, And that will, I think they said that the release date for that on the um, slide they showed was incorrect. So I won't even say that. Um, But that book could well be huge. Yeah, uh, I'm surprised that that this was held under wraps. Um, you know, so much other stuff got kind of leaked, but when they announced Silk, uh, there was there was quite quite a gasp from the from the crowd. Uh, I think she's a fascinating character, and a lot can be done with her. So I'm I'm very happy about that. Um, and next up was probably the worst kept secret of the weekend. Um, first announced um, in secret at the uh, Marvel Retailers panel, which, you know, Loose Lips managed to um, leak, probably including me and Rob, to be fair. Um, they confirmed that a Spider-Gwen ongoing series will be happening starting 20, February 2015 from Jason Latour, Robbie Rodriguez and Rico Renzi. Um, the place went nuts when they, they announced that. I think this that book is going to be huge, 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 huge. Um, they then went on to show cover art for issue 6 of Spidey 2099 by Peter David and Will Sliney. 
Um, Peter David did actually um, drop the little bit of information that um, he will be back in 2099 for that story. So stay tuned for that one. Um, they also then went on to announce um, a three-issue miniseries um, coming from the 26th of November this year um, called Scarlet Spiders. Um, that looks very cool. Yeah, that's going to include... Uh, let's see, who do we have here? So yeah, we have the Black Widow Scarlet Spider from the Ultimate Universe. Uh, we have Kane, who is the current Scarlet Spider. And then... Uh, ben Riley, which is awesome, uh, as he was Scarlet Spider, and in his universe, like in his reality, he's still Spider-Man, so he thinks he is actually Spider-Man. Uh, there's a lot, a lot of cool stuff that they could do with that. Um, yeah, so they showed us a whole bunch of different covers of that for actually the whole run. Uh... And they're going full force with this Spider-Verse stuff because there's a Spider-Verse team-up, which is a Christos Gage book. That's going to have kind of all the different Spider-Man, I guess you could say, Spider-Ham, Spider-Man Noir, uh, Six-Arm Spider-Man, just a whole, you know, whole crew, uh, more Spider-Gwen stuff. Uh, they'll have, I think that the most favorite thing uh, that they were talking about was... Uh, like the Marvel animated Spider-Man, you know, the one who, when he swings, his webs aren't attached to anything, uh, teaming up with, uh, the ultimate Spider-Man cartoon character, uh, that's gonna be quite hilarious. And also, uh, the spectacular Spider-Man too, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, because he said, like, he's gonna break the fourth wall. Oh, no, 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 the ultimate Spider-Man is the one that breaks the fourth, fourth wall. And actually, like, talks to the audience, so he'll be doing that in the book. Um, Spider-Verse number one, which is just kind of like an anthology book, right? Yeah. So that's just going to have a whole slew of stories from uh, Slot and Scotty Young, uh, Robbie Thompson, Katie Cook, and more. Uh they, then this is when they went full speed. They just hit slide after slide and barely gave no no speech. But through Axis, we're going to get a new uh, Hobgoblin book along with uh, a new Carnage series. So whatever is going on with Axis is obviously going to bring about those books. Um, and something I'm super excited for <laughs> in the wake of Wolverine's uh, absence. Uh, Spidey is going to be taking over the Jean Grey School for the Gifted. And he'll be uh, kind of teaching the mutants there. He's going to take Wolverine's spot. So it's going to be Spider-Man and the X-Men. Um, yeah. That just So much stuff, man. Uh, another new Amazing Spider-Man annual. Something that's going to have a crazy, crazy, amazing Aunt May story. <laughs> there's there's some cool pictures up on the, the feed that you can go take a look at. Uh, but all in all, it was an absolutely amazing day. Uh, I couldn't have asked for a, a better partner to walk around with and take this all in, soak it all in. Uh, 
although I lost my jacket and my train ticket, <laughs> which, which kind of sucked. But, uh, yeah, no, it was so fun. Yeah, I mean, that that was the the icing on the cake the Sunday. I mean, the, the, whole, the convention as a whole was just incredible and everything I'd hoped for. But the Sunday just, you know, took it over the top and just made it everything I'd hoped for and more. It, it was just incredible. Um, so, yeah, that basically brought the day to, the close, to a close. We came out of the Spider-Verse panel, filled our water bottles up, um, headed to Penn Station, um, feeling quite worse for wear. Um, <laughs> we were both fairly exhausted on the train. Um, and that was it for New York Comic Con, my very first. Um, hopefully not my last. I'm hoping to be back sometime in the near future. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was an amazing experience. And thank you to everybody whose path I crossed, um, who made it all the more special. So that's it for New York Comic Con. Um, thank you and goodbye. Wow. Little share. Love it. I think that's a really great way to start this final segment of the Talking Comics podcast. <laughs> I'm here with Steve. Hey. Bob. Good evening. And Stephanie. Um, thank you guys for, for tuning in. Um, you guys have heard before before you hear our Joker voices, you've uh, you've heard uh, Rob, uh, Justin, and Hugh recapping uh, days two, three, and four. Of, of New York City Comic Con and uh, thank you very very much um, to Rob and especially to Hugh and to Justin who were the men on the ground yes. for the Talking Indeed. Comics team uh, this year uh, next week we're going to come to you with a, with a ton of interviews that we got from the show um, and so you'll hear a lot of those and other than three of them uh, which are done by Steve and myself they are mm. all done by Justin so oh yeah uh, Justin uh, MVP yeah he was super nervous uh, he did a great job just want to thank those guys very very much and also thank you to Courtney Key who uh, took many of Hugh's uh, awesome tweets from from the from the panels yep. and created some news stories about them so awesome thank you very much yeah. to those guys um, Hugh's thumbs were on fire he was, he was sitting tough. next to him it's like yeah. <laughs> he was uh, as we record this I think he's probably He's, he's on his way back now. Mm-hmm. I think he's at the airport right now. He just tweeted a picture. He met Adi Granov in the in the <laughs> airport. Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. He said that now New York Comic Con is coming to him. Um, <laughs> but he, he's, going, he's heading back to Wales, but he will be missed. He was a... Uh, it was, it's amazing to meet someone that you've kind of talked to for years yeah. and then kind of exceed your expectations Absolutely. of what kind of person they were going to be. Just a really, really fantastic guy. Uh, he has plans to come back. I know. I know. Yeah. He, he will Can't be missed. Enough. He will be <laughs> missed. Um, cheers to you, mate. Cheers to Hugh, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we uh, we're gonna we're gonna talk a little, little bit about um, our favorite stories uh, coming out of Comic Con, um, and uh, we don't want to retread too much of stuff that we won't do all of them because 
everyone else did all of them, so we yeah. don't want to talk about all of them, but we'll talk about our favorite ones and kind of our, you know, our impressions um, from the show. Um, but let's, uh, you know, it's weird. We, we, we obviously the busy, busy weekend. You know, everyone at the show, I was <laughs> in Atlantic City going to a, a wedding and Stephanie's been house sitting, correct? I have been. How was it seeing New York's Comic Con from afar, Stephanie? It was so nice. <laughs> I was, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of people, obviously, I missed getting to see and stuff, but I was like, there was a moment on Thursday when I was kind of lamenting. I was like, uh, I'm kind of sad that I'm not there. And then I saw a tweet that was like, New York Comic Con has exceeded the numbers of San Diego. And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay with not being there. <laughs> yeah, 151,000 unique visitors at Com- New York Comic Con this year, which makes it bigger than San Diego Damn. as far as uh, raw attendance goes. Well, um, no. Pretty crazy. Pretty crazy. Um, I, uh, well, see, I mean, there was obviously, there was more kind of Hollywood like, you know, more, there was more big multimedia stuff that happened this year. I wonder if that's going to keep increasing now that hmm. um, the, the sure. numbers keep going up. Uh, but um, we're not going to talk about that right now. We'll talk about that in, in a little bit. Um, I, I know, Bob, you have a lightning round. Mm-hmm. I have a little bit of a lightning round to do. Steve, do you have any, any lightning round to do? Yeah, I could talk about some books. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, Stephanie, we're going to say Stephanie for Book of the Week. I know that. Oh, um, fancy. So- <laughs> 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 That's what we missed at Comic-Con. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Sass. Hot Sass, yeah. <laughs> Catwoman, Julie Newmore dresses and lunging and... Uh. There will always be lunging, Bob. <laughs> it's not the same when it's not in person. It's true. It's I'm true. so sorry. Um, <laughs> no, you're not. All right. I am a little bit. <laughs> okay. A little bit. So let's do some lightning round. Steve, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Lightning round, go. All right. Uh, I didn't get to read too much this week because of all the hullabaloo, but I did get to read The October Faction from uh, Steve Niles and Damian Worm. And uh, this is a book that's, it is pretty much part uh, Adam's Family meets Dark Shadows. And um, yeah, it's it's actually quite intriguing. The art for it is absolutely creepy, uh, outstandingly creepy, I would say. Um, very reminiscent of like some Ben Temple Smith type stuff, all very dark, maybe criminal macabre, so on and so forth. It's about a family that is, uh, basically causing a stir within this town and this, um, like monster hunter who's been out in, in retirement for quite some time is being called back into, you know, duty by a friend of his who's like, Hey man, you know, I know you've been out, but we kind of need you because something's about to go down. And um, the family is very interesting. It consists of a witch and a warlock. The witch can kind of see into people's futures, as far as I can tell from the first issue. Like, if you're a miserable person, she could see you in 40, 50 years, like the grotesque person that you would become. Like, your your insides are shown on the outside for her. And the warlock is kind of, he can see dead people and inform you of like the crimes that you've you've denied yourself and so on and so forth. So you've got this gaggle of uh, characters within this family that uh, look as if they're about to unleash something into this town uh, that is not going to be good for anyone. So um, I'm going to keep with it for a little bit. It's definitely something that if you're in the Halloween spirit uh, this October, you might want to check it out. That's The October Faction from Steve Niles and Damian Worm. And the other book that I got to read is Birthright Number 1 from Joshua Williamson. Um, I did not open up the book for the artist. Here we go. Uh, Andre Bresson is a creator artist, and Adriano uh, Lucas is the colorist. 
Birthright is about a uh, starts off with a father and a young man, a young boy playing catch. Uh, ball gets thrown into the woods. Kid goes to get it. Dad gets a phone call. Kid goes missing. Whole town thinks the father did it. Years pass, or or I'm sorry, I don't know if it's years, but several lots of time passes. And lo and behold, they get a call from their lawyer or the investigator looking into the disappearance of their son. And a hardened warrior has basically strolled into town and has this outlandish story of him going off into this kind of fantasy realm and battling all uh, this major evil. And his reward for defeating this evil is to return home to his family and time works differently where he is. That's why he's older, and now he's back, and all he wants to do is see his family. Or, or dot, 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 take a cue from Bob. Um, <laughs> it's fascinating. It's it's whimsical. It's scary. And uh, I was on the edge of my seat reading it. Really, really nice presentation. Really great flow to it. And uh, I had a blast with it. I can't wait to read it again. Awesome. Now, everyone's talking about it. I've yet to take a shot at this. Is trade coming soon? We were an image here. So well, I mean, it's looking... only issue one, so I think you're going to oh, at least okay. wait seven yeah. months for the trade. Right. But uh, <laughs> um, birthright number one, yeah, I just want to jump on for what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, agree with a lot of what you said, Steve. It's, uh, it's a really great read, and... Um, you know, it's funny because the the situation where this boy kind of gets taken away uh, from his father and then comes back in this older form, it reminded me, reminded me of um, Angel. There's a part where his yeah. son gets stolen and then he comes back from another dimension. And he's like a pissed mm-hmm. off grown up kid, oh. um, and, and it's some some of that similarities there. But the the fantasy elements obviously separate it in in in, in a lot of ways from that. And yeah. just I I love this sort of idea of this two part two-faceted story that is about um, this family coming to grips with the loss of a child and this other story which is kind of this crazy big fantasy Mm -hmm. slash sort of horror story that's brewing underneath Mm -hmm. the surface. Um, Really, really cool. I mean, he's been on a a role. He's amazing. He's one of the breakout writers of this year for yeah. sure. This last year, Ghosted, Nailbiter, and this, it's it's been, mm-hmm. he's been hitting it. And I, 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 I talked to him a little bit at New York Comic Con and he, he said, yeah, I'm just waiting for that. I have a book coming out next year and I know everyone's going to hate it because it's going to be like my, it's going to be the end of my run. That's what he said. <laughs> he said, I love it to death, but I feel like it's going to be the end of my run. Oh, man. What a spoiler <laughs> that is. Yeah. yeah. I don't, with, like with Birthright, I, I know that I say this often about mm-hmm. books, but it was very cinematic in the presentation, like the the moving between both stories once you are introduced to that older character, the, the son is older and comes back, how they transition from his story back to being inside the precinct and getting, you know, getting the information from him. It I could I could see it in my mind like like a film or a movie. And that flashback to like, you know, that sound and now we're back in the room and then he tells the story and it fades into, you know, Lord of the Rings style, mm. uh, you know, fantasy mayhem. And um, yeah, I mean, I, like I said, the presentation of it and everything is great, but I'm just, I really, really have been enjoying Joshua Williamson's work this year. And I'm so excited to be reading another one of his stories. He's just, he's one of the top writers of this year for me. Yeah, you can tell he's a kid of the 80s too, because it definitely has some of that kind of, you know, Amblin-ish yes. qualities okay. to it as well, which is really, really nice. Now, the Absolutely. art, you just, Bobby mm. just opened mm. it up here. There's some widescreen presentations. Yes. Definitely, Steve, the very cinematic thing you're talking mm. about. And the way it looks as if you're moving within the panel on the page, mm-hmm. it creates mm-hmm. that movement. That's not easy to do, but it's really happening there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely a book to to look out for. Yeah, oh, that's the page yeah. that struck me right away. <laughs> it just it, it the looks top two thirds of the page is just devastation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
and it, it instantly down below it's a quieter scene it's like yeah. well that's a who bring me down literally yeah I, I like that yeah yeah it's yeah. it's one of those you know transporter comics you mm. get into it and you're you're bouncing between mm. worlds it's a lot of fun yeah absolutely absolutely all right bob you ready you had another million books on your uh, no, lightning not, round? No, not today. Not today. Not not nearly <laughs> not nearly as much as before, but there's still pretty a whole bunch. Go ahead. All right, and go. Okay, I spoke about this briefly last week. IDW, another one of their great Library of American Congress. It's Wonder Woman: The Complete Newspaper Strips, 1944 to 1945, filled with great info, info, rare promo art. That's actually Harry Peter's original drawing of Wonder Woman from back in the day. Oh, cool! It's all the strips in order and by the original creators, Dr. Marston and Harry Peter. So you may want to pick that up if you're a fan. Somebody's Christmas list. I'm thinking. <laughs> Avengers 36. Well, time's still running out, so call in fast for the best prices. <laughs> uh, Star Trek New Visions, Cry Vengeance, uh, John Byrne uh, doing the photo novel thing. This is a direct sequel to The Doomsday Machine from October of 1967, which was episode number 35, but my number 11 favorite episode. Anyway, it addresses some of the big questions we had. It's a giant machine that carves up planets and they have to sacrifice a starship and a captain to kill it. You get some of that going on. And as usual, it's just fun stuff if you're a fan. It's the lost fourth season of Star Trek if you're a fan. Amazing Spider-Man number seven. I don't even read Spider-Man anymore, but this has got Ms. Marvel in it. So he meets Kamala and her take on this is prices. Oh my gosh, you're a Spider-Man. I'm in a Spider-Man team up. <laughs> I mean, Dan Slott captures this just absolutely perfectly. Dr. Minerva, who's this sort of the Dark Avengers version of the other Ms. Marvel. Lots of great stuff going on here. We saw Dan Slott at the convention. I've been told that he's all mm-hmm. about Kamala. So that's, it's just really cool. On the same vein, Captain Marvel number eight, it's Flurkins on the March. <laughs> it's just ridiculous here. It's hysterically funny. Rocket and Carol dealing with what's gone horribly wrong with Chewy, her cat. <laughs> including just some very i mean chewy's a different kind of cat i mean chewy's a different oh, for the love of god a i haven't read it yet That's a different awesome. kind of cat so but it, it all turns out okay speaking of things horrific okay oh, i picked up uh this toddler board book from cj henderson who writes horror novels and erica henderson who is the artist on the upcoming unbreakable unbeatable Squirrel Girl. <laughs> and it's Baby's First Mythos. It's a board book, which is the ABCs of Lovecraft's Cthulhu Mythos, and it's counting games. And, uh, for instance, C is for Cthulhu, who lies in his palace in Relia dreaming, one side of whom would leave most of us <laughs> gibbering, drooling, and screaming. <laughs> it is just charming and lovely, creepy and scary. It isn't really for toddlers unless they're young enough to not understand the horrific things that are going on. This seems like a perfect gift for Melissa Megan. Uh, yes, uh, there's no question. Melissa, if you're out there listening, Baby's First Mythos by C.J. Henderson and Erica Henderson would be perfect for Mighty Max, the little dictator. And that is it for me. <laughs> Very nice, Bob. Very nicely done. Um, all right, so I got a couple books that I'm going to I'm gonna mention here. Um, hold on a second. Let me get, reorder this stuff. Okay. All right, and lightning round, go. All right, first of all, Sex Criminals, number eight, Matt Fraction and Chip Zdarsky. Um, we get the introduction of a uh, new character, Robert Rainbow, into the into the, into the the mythos of Sex Criminals. Uh, you know, I, I, I tweeted this in the, earlier in the weekend, but it's amazing when you can get a week with such fantastic books. We had a week with fantastic books this week. It was like this perfect symmetry between Comic-Con and those books yeah. coming out. Um 
that sexual emails might still have been the best thing that I read of, of everything. Wow. Uh, that's saying something amazingly funny, heartfelt, you know, just, it's just a, a really a perfect comic in a lot, a lot of ways. Um, new character is great. The art remains amazing. Um, the new points of views are great. It's just, it's, it's everything that you want a, a comic to be. Next criminals number eight, yeah. um, Hawkeye versus Deadpool. Number one, uh, also great book, you know, just kept the, the humor and the fun of that first issue, uh, dug deeper into this mystery. I think, I think the two characters are somehow a perfect match mm. to be with each other. I think Dugan is writing both of them really, really well. And I, I think that the art, um, uh, by, uh, Matteo Lali and Jacopo, uh, Kamini uh, does a really good job of straddling the line between both kind of art styles of, yeah. of both books. So that is an awesome book. It might seem like a gimmick, but it is an awesome, awesome book. Um, and now in descending order of liking is kind of where I'm going <laughs> in this one. Here we go. Um, Axis number one, uh, it's Avengers X-Men book one, The Red Supremacy, uh, Rick Remender and Adam Kubert. Uh, I, and I did not hate this book. I'm not going to say that I did. I, I, I enjoyed some of what was here um it, it is very very dense you know it's hickman levels of density uh just in a different way uh, a lot of the a lot of the humor that you were talking about in the cat book mm-hmm. that you said kind of felt a little out of place i think is here and again i think it sometimes it works really really well and sometimes it feels a little out of place um it's got a very you know, it, it, it what it feels to me is like he's going for kind of um, a curved 90s vibe to it you know it's very okay. big very bombastic but without the crazy art and it has a lot of story, uh, you know, dignity to it. It's just, it's, it's very big, you know, it's, it's huge. I, I think it, it's got so much going on that I just don't know if it's something that I'm going to be able to follow. Um, but it's got some cool ideas and some really, you do feel sometimes like, God, these characters are in a really bad spot. And I don't know what they're going to do. Um, and I have 30 seconds to talk about this book. My least favorite book that I read this week, uh, Clarion, uh, number one from Anne Nocenti and Trevor McCarthy. I'll start with the good. The art by Trevor McCarthy is gorgeous. A guy that you know con- continues kind of that J.H. Williams vibe that he had when he was doing Batwoman, you know, alongside him mm. um, in, in the interim. Uh, some really nice layouts, some really creepy stuff going on. But it's a horrible number one issue that doesn't really give you anything about Clarion. It kind of just starts you out, and he's this boy who has powers and let's go. Um, you know, there's it just feels like it's it feels like it's going for stuff that let's say like. Kieran Gillen and Jamie Kelvey are going for in Young Avengers, but missing it really badly. Um, I, I, it's it's not an interesting take on the character, in my opinion, and it just did not hit for me at all. So that's that's my lightning round. There's nothing worse than trying and missing badly. Yeah, it, you know, and I, maybe maybe I just have the 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 Seven Soldiers of Victory Morrison version too fresh in my head, um, but it, it just did not play for me you know at all i think you've got a cover quote for the axis yeah. i didn't hate this book <laughs> <laughs> you know but i just i'll be short of talking comment i can't i can't get excited about it though because i with most of the marvel events i get really excited mm-hmm. at the beginning and then by the end i've my interest has kind of waned there are differences yeah. i think infinity was a difference in that and i think we'll talk about kind of the event stuff in a little yeah. bit when we're talking about some of the couple of the news items but yeah so i yeah i just couldn't i couldn't uh get on with it um Stephanie, you've been obviously silent so far so because you didn't do a lightning round. So let's start with you with uh, uh, comic media of the week, I guess is the better hmm. term for your for your part. Sure. And I suppose by that you mean the Arrow premiere. Yes, I do. We're not going to spoil it. We're not going to spoil it for people listening. <laughs> I, If you follow me on Twitter, you probably saw my reactions <laughs> after watching it. And it involved a lot of GIFs 
of tables being flipped over. <laughs> and surprisingly, uh, Adventure Time covers a lot of my table flipping needs uh, for gift form. So anyone else who gets uh, watches this episode and feels the same way as me in the last 30 seconds of the episode, um, FYI, that. Um, but Arrow. So... Um, Taking a little bit of a step back, uh, at the end of season two, I, I liked season two as a whole, but I didn't feel like the finale was very strong, and I honestly didn't really have much desire to uh, see where they took season three, because uh, it just, the teasers kind of left me like, oh, whatever. Um, obviously, I got past that and watched it anyways, and, uh, you know, The Flash was kind of like the anti-arrow. It's... Everything that the Arrow isn't, it's like, you know, he's just wanting to be a hero for the sake of being a hero, and he's an all-around good guy, and just, it's kind of light and enjoyable and fun, and Arrow, it, it's good, but I feel like it just keeps getting darker. It's like, um, it, it just keeps, everything just keeps getting worse for Ollie. It's like, what else can happen to him? Can we send him up into space with Sandra Bullock? <laughs> Would we like to record Gravity 2 with Ollie? Would that make it worse? Because everything just is... It's... it's but the question is, Stephanie, do you, dark. do you do you not like the... I mean, the show's always been dark from the from, yeah. from moment one. So the, the show is continuing with its its tone. So are you, are you tiring of that tone? I mean, I know that you were create, you had a very huge reaction to the end of the, 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 the premiere, but does that mean you didn't like the premiere or it was just something that, you know, you didn't expect or want to happen? Uh, well, I definitely didn't want it to happen. Right. Like 100%. But, um, I liked the premiere overall. Um, I am tiring of the darkness to it. Uh, the the flash again was really I think that kind of um, pointed out to me how dark Arrow is and how nice it is just to see a different um, way for these stories to be told. Mm -hmm. Like to me, it felt like the Avengers versus uh, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies. Right. Yeah. Uh, fun comics being brought to life versus just uh, relentlessly sad. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, the show is well written. The first season was not great, but you know the second season uh, really, really picked up, and they got their shit together. And now I feel like they're in a really good rhythm, and they're finally all of these things that they had set up in season one, but they were like, I don't know what to do with this, so we're just gonna do bad writing. Mm -hmm. um, and now they're finally starting to get back on track and be like, okay, what did we not tie up in the first season that needs to start being? you know, like dealt with here. And obviously the thing that happens at the end of the first episode is one of those things. Right. Yes. Um, and I, I, I don't think it's bad. I like it. Uh, I just, again, I wish that, um, they would show some funner aspects of the show too. I feel like Felicity really holds a lot of the, um, endearing parts of the show on her shoulders to kind of make it, not horribly bleak. Mm -hmm. uh, she's kind of the comic relief, and those moments when she's on screen is just like, ah, oh, 
<laughs> Everything's fluffy. Rabbits, bunnies, kittens, mm. puppies. <laughs> and computer hacking. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I, I don't know. It's a little bit of column A and column B. It's not that it's bad. It's just, again, it's dark. Yeah, and I, I want to say um, it's really funny because they did a interesting thing on the on the premiere of Arrow, right? Which is that I feel like in the in the first forty thirty nine minutes of the show, mm-hmm. he's kind of like smiling more than he's ever smiled in the entire mm-hmm. run of the show. Except it's just a setup for when it comes at the end uh, end of the yeah. episode. I knew. Uh, yeah, you could definitely tell there was something up. And this was the first episode ever where Laurel wasn't an insufferable wet blanket. It's true. And I knew, I knew, I was like, no, 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 you had, oh. <laughs> Which is really funny because there was, a, there was a text message conversation I had with Stephanie last year before the finale. I was like, this is what's going to happen. She was like, no, no. I was like, but the thing watch is, in like, the finale, uh, this is what will happen. Didn't happen in the finale, it happened in the premiere. <laughs> but like, I knew, like, I knew Bobby was right. Like, I think we had this discussion too, like, yeah. I knew what you were saying was sound. I just didn't want it to happen. Right, I know, I know. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm pissed off because it was one of the only characters that I didn't hate. <laughs> uh, we'll be. I'll be interested to see how how it goes forward and and how they how they kind of uh, yeah. they shape it in the story because there's a potential um, if certain performers can step up. That it could be a really good storyline. Um, if it's not, then it could we could we could have lost something really good uh, on the show. I think it was a solid premiere. I think you're right. I think I watched the Flash and the Arrow kind of back to back, and mm-hmm. obviously I'm more predisposed towards the Flash in the first place as a character that I love. Um, and I thought that show had some of those like first issue growing pains it was going through. It went through a lot of exposition very very quickly, and there were definitely times where I felt like things weren't given the weight that they were they should have been given. Uh, but it was all in the service of kind of getting you to you know, time to the flash as, as small as possible. And uh, I thought overall it was a really good first episode. Uh, Introduced some really cool concepts. Uh, I think good performances pretty much across the board. I think Stephanie, you were saying that the, the lead guy, Grant Gustin is just incredibly likable. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. In that role. He, he's just um, like, he's not overly good looking. He's not, you know, he's a nerd, but they don't make him like your stereotypical nerd. And, he he isn't overly buff. He isn't overly skinny. He's kind of exactly, you know, not necessarily someone that you would have picked to play the character, but now that he is playing the character, it really just works for you. Yeah. And I think he just has a lot of charisma in the role, and he's he's a fresh drink of milk <laughs> uh and they don't they, and they uh they don't play down his intelligence at all you know they don't they don't play that stuff they they go very hard into his origin and uh i i think honestly the, the biggest surprise for me in the flash was tom cavanaugh who's like most famous for playing ed on that oh, nbc yeah. show ed or you know um jd's brother on scrubs who's you know he plays goofy oh, fun Jesus. people that's right that's was was fun. a really he's plays harrison wells the head of star labs um, very, a little bit creepy, uh, you know, a, a little bit swarmy, uh, but nefarious, nefarious, mm-hmm. but very intelligent as well. He got, it was a very different role to see him play. And I thought he played it really, really well. Um, I thought the cast in general was really, they filled that cast out nicely. Um, it, yeah. and they've already started doing what Arrow started doing, like, you know, two thirds through its first season. They start, they've already thrown so many like, 
this is going to happen and it's going to be awesome, you know, kind of characters at you. Uh, and so I look forward to, to, to seeing what comes with that. How are Bobby, like, are you interested in seeing an arrow like Katana and all that stuff? Yeah, I am actually, I, I, I am interested in kind of, I like where his flashback stuff is going in the, in this season. That's the one part we kind of didn't talk about, you know, at the end of the first season, we kind of saw that he goes somewhere else other than the Island and he meets Amanda Waller very early. And, and this is a kind of a team up, at least with uh, Katana in some way. Uh, I think that's cool. Cool. I think that they proved, I think in the second season, especially that they can do that flashback stuff really, really well. So I feel like they can set up some really neat stuff. Um, and with the it's uh, what's her name from Wolverine. Oh, can't, oh yeah. I can't remember her name. The one who played girl- uh, Miho in Wolverine. Uh, yeah. Like the, the sword, yeah, the, the girl that helps him. Yeah. The girl that helps him. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Awesome. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I, I, g- good actress, good storyline, I think. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very interested in that, in that stuff. And I thought that, that what we did get there set up a, 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 a conundrum from Ollie that I didn't expect. You know, I expected to just be like, I'm just trying to get away. And he, they added a kind of a new wrinkle oh, wait. to it. Not Miho, uh, Yukio. Oh, You're Yukio. thinking of Miho from Sin City. Right, because it was originally Devin Aoki, It was supposed right? to be Devin, yeah. Yeah, okay. But this is Ryla. Fukushima. Oh, uh, okay. Fukushima. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Sorry. it's cool. No, that's a great, it's great casting, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to see what happens. Um, Steve, did you watch the arrow premiere? I did. What'd you think? I liked it. You liked it? I did. What'd you like, what'd you think about the big moment? Um, like Stephanie, I was upset. I was very upset, but, um, to arrows credit, I, I loved it. It actually might be my favorite episode. Mm-hmm. Um, for, for, for this reason, mm-hmm. um, and probably this reason alone, I'm sure that there were many others that were great as well, but the idea that, arrow made me care that much about one of its characters Mm -hmm. that when what happens happens that i was like you know stood up and was like (laughs) like i never expected especially in the beginning when i tried watching it Mm -hmm. on my own at first and and didn't care for it and then ended up going back to it after so many listeners had said you know go back it's getting better Mm -hmm. uh the fact that i cared that much about it um impressed me and uh, there are things about it that I, I think were were weak. Um, don't like the Alicity stuff at all, <laughs> like at all. Um, they were kind of fiddling with that at the end of the the last season, and uh, I knew it was it wasn't it's just it wasn't going to go anywhere. Why bother? And I think it just it just was there for the sake of stre- I don't know. I I can't put it into words, but I just didn't like it. It it felt like um, you know in the Wolverine. Uh- when Wolverine and the, the girl that he's trying to save, they're like, we hate each other, we hate each other, we hate each other. Now we're in love. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, obviously, like, the Allicity thing, like, they've been building up, like, they've been friends since the beginning, mm-hmm. but they've never had that chemistry. Like, Felicity's always kind of had the right. eyes for him, but you've never had that chemistry between them. Right. And that's what it felt like to me. Like, they were right. like, and, like, at the end of last season, when they're like, uh, I'm in love with Felicity. Just kidding. It was all like a joke. And then he's like, wait a second. I am. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I never, this is baloney. Like I never, I never believed that aspect of the show. Like that thing that they were trying to, you know, force into the story. All of their interactions never equated to that for me. And I just, I knew that it would end the way that it does. And mm. I was kind of like, why are we even, we could be doing something else. Yeah. We could be establishing, you know, new characters even more. We can give them more scenes. 
but instead we're we're doing this song and dance routine that everybody that's watching the show knows that it's not going to pan out. I just I just felt like that aspect of of the episode was a waste of time. Yeah. Um but you know, there were at least like three times where the show kind of um made me think that something major was going to go down. It was I was watching it and I'm like, "Oh, oh wait, wait. Uh, oh, okay. Oh wait. No, no. And then uh, what? What? <laughs> what? No. So I I have respect for it, uh, for doing that. That's not something that happens all the time when I'm watching, you know, a television show. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm I'm glad that it's back, um, and I I like the idea of watching it back to back with the Flash and having like for all the darkness. I completely agree with Stephanie about you know the the bleak and broodiness of it, but having the Flash to kind of buffer it a little bit, like shine it up a little bit. I think it's it's a good way to go. Like when we when I read DC books and I I kind of want to go into that world. Am I in a you know am I in a light mood? Am I eating my breakfast? Mm-hmm. Blah blah blah. Or am I like is it the end of the night where I want to watch Arrow and I want to like you know get get gritty with it mm. or something like that? <laughs> um, so yeah, I thought it was cool. Excited to to watch a new episode this week. And yeah, I mean I'm I'm a fan of the show, so I'm gonna keep going. Cool, cool. All right, and Stephanie, you have your second. Is is a book, and it's uh, a book that I think we all want to talk about. So why don't you start talking about Batgirl number thirty five? I would love to. So (laughs) obviously, or well, this was a big book leading up to the release because it was the uh, relaunch. Well, not really the relaunch. I guess it kind of just Barbara's fresh start with uh, Gail Simone being off the book and Cameron uh, Stewart, Brendan Fletcher, and Babs Tar on board. Um, And there was already a lot of this is going to be horrible. This is going to be great. Like (laughs) mixed uh, reactions coming from fans. And, uh, you know, this came out. And for me, just right off the bat, it was exactly what I wanted it to be. It was everything that I needed it to be. And the same sort of thing, again, uh, tying this into Arrow, um, The Flash, um, Gail Simone obviously has a huge following and people love her Batgirl stuff. But like Arrow, it was just bleak. It was like endless, endless despair for poor Barbara. And just like brief moments of joy mixed with how can we wreck, like make her need more therapy in years to come. Uh, And finally, there was just these moments in Batgirl 35, 35. A little New New York on that one. Throw five. Um, where Barbara is young again and it's just so awesome to see her get to have fun and do what she loves doing, which is, you know, solving mysteries and using her intellect and her strength to solve crimes and help people. You know, she's Batman, I think, kind of really stopped doing the detectiving part for a while. And Barbara is so smart, you know, and we saw a lot of that, especially when she was Oracle. And it's nice to see her get to use uh, more than just her strength to really kind of face an enemy again and have fun doing it. The redesign, the costume, everything just came together so perfectly for me. And I loved the art the art just popped and the colors were just absolutely perfect for this book i felt like it gave her the the book reflected um the tone that the writing uh 
you know, was giving, it was, it, it just fit together perfectly for me. Uh, I thought the new characters were great. I thought, um, I, I thought it was excellent. The story, uh, everything. Bobby, I know you and I kind of talked about it a little bit too. And uh, one of your things, you compared it to uh, Daredevil. Yeah, and I, I, and I think that, um, especially in kind of the artistic design of the book, I think that it has a lot in common w- with, with that book. I think that some of the panel structuring and layouts, the layouts are obviously done by Cameron Stewart, and the finish is done by, by Babs Tarr, and um, both work together really, really well. And I think that some of the detectiving scenes, something that you're talking about, I think are done in a really spectacularly visual way um, that, I, uh, that I wasn't really expecting before I, I opened the book. And I think just kind of in their philosophy about Barbara, I think is very similar as well to what Wade had done with Daredevil, which is to take a character who had been through a lot of dark times and not say that psychology and those events didn't happen, but we're choosing to have her have her outlook on life change. You know, not necessarily her life change, just the outlook on her life change, where suddenly she's dealing with it with more of kind of a smile on her face than she was before. Um, you know, uh, I've ever talked talk about the book some. I, I have some stuff I want to talk about as far as uh, I talk about on Twitter as well, some of the, the reactions to the book, which kind of rubbed me the wrong way. But I want to ask Bob. I mean, Bob, there's no bigger Batgirl fan here um, or a Batgirl fan that I know than, okay. than Bob Ryer. Um, so I want to know uh, what you thought of Batgirl 35. I really love the very positive energy of it, seeing Barbara with a smile, again, coming out of all the grimness that was legislated into the mm-hmm. book for all these months. It did end in a way at the other run with positiveness right. that she had defeated Nightfall and moved on. It was time to do something else here. And so that there's really great. See, again, seeing her smile, love that usage of the sort of radar sense of her eidetic memory and, mm. and that she is a detective. She began in detective comics mm. and the stories were short little backups of detective. And that, that was really great to see. Love the art. For the most part, really love everything that went on. I'm slightly less impressed by what seems to be an attempt to be really hipster. Do people really speak in hashtags? I've been told they do over the weekend, as a matter of fact, by somebody <laughs> <Yeah>. we know. <laughs> but I've never encountered anyone who actually speaks in a hashtag. So that, that kind of bugged me a little. It was a little different seeing a less responsible Barbara than I'm used to seeing for all these years. She let some things happen that maybe shouldn't. And it's not that opening scene. Mm. that a lot of people are complaining about. Mm. She's she's 21 and stuff happens and let's get over mm. it. You know, I mean, please. It, nothing, all of us haven't done at some point. It's <laughs> not, you know what I mean? That she lets, I don't want to spoil it. She lets something happen to stuff mm-hmm. that's a bit beyond her. And that one moment then there's a clash with someone we, we're going to see more of, I've been told. Right. So I... I, I if I'm putting if if we're putting a number grade on this for me, this is a really solid B plus high eighties. I have some <laughs> reservations, but I think as the story flattens out a little bit, that the you know, again it's an introductory issue, mm. so you got to go for high points. You got to hit the mark each time. Missed a couple, I'm in. I'm I, absolutely in. I just think you know, uh, speaking on her mistakes and stuff, and it going back to the whole idea of this being a little little bit more fun. And I, I posted this online uh, in a blog post in called Defense of, in Defense of Batgirl. But, you know, people who are getting all uppity about the way she's being portrayed in this book need to relax. You know, would you want your friends to be 
ceaselessly miserable all the time. <laughs> like, you would never want to be friends with Barbara as she was. Well, let me, can and, I just jump in a sec? The Barbara of the last 34 issues was unrelentingly in a bad place. Mm-hmm. The way she was written for the previous decade as Oracle, it was not like that. And for people who want to see a Barbara slightly differently, but not a Batgirl, that's that's where you want to see that. Mm-hmm. I, I agree that the, it's been really hard to watch her struggle through all this over the last three years. I'm yeah. 100% in agreement with you there, Stan. And I just think, yeah, like anyone who's being mad needs to think about it. And I know they're not real people. And I know we don't have vigilantes and stuff like this. But, you know, these are characters that are friends are our friends whether we think of them uh whether they're real or not because they're people that we take solace in when we want to read and kind of be taken to a different world and you want these people to do well for themselves and i don't understand why anyone wouldn't want her to have happiness in her life and fun well i mean i think a lot of it again there's there's a couple issues i have and then uh steve i want to go with issues and i want to hear what you think about the book okay um so there is this stuff going on, right, where people, and I will say that on our forums, there is 95% really interesting dialogue ab- about the book. A lot of people saying, you know what, it's, I can say that it's good, but it's not for me. It's not a book I want to yep. read. And that is a completely valid critique of, of the book. If you aren't digging it, then don't read it. Um, but there's, a, and not very much on our forums, but a, 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 a kind of around the internet, there's kind of this sentiment like, um, I don't want to read this. She she gets drunk and makes out with a boy. That's not the Barbara I want to see. That you know, they're calling her a floozy or whatever it is. And I, and I think that like, there's a ridiculous kind of sexual double standard you know happening there. And I said this on Twitter like Johnny Storm has slept with how many women? Countless mm-hmm. women. How many times has Tony Stark gotten drunk and slept with women? And you still consider them heroes and books that you want to keep reading. The fact that this is a young girl and either you. And because there are two forms, right, of sexism. There's the form where you think girls are worth nothing, yeah. and the and the version where you think they're some sort of like they're China dolls that are perfect, and you have an image of them, and they have to fit into that image. And th- they are neither one of those things. Obviously, they uh, you know we're all people, and she's making a mistake that everyone, male or female, has made when they were 21 yep. years old. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't even do anything. She just kisses him. That's yeah. all she does. So if you think there's something morally wrong with that, if you don't, if you think drinking is morally wrong, whatever it is, that is your obviously your right to have that opinion. But if there's some moral high ground with her her, her sexuality here, I think that you, you need to check out what you what you how you deal with people and what you think about mm-hmm. people because th- th- that's a it's a real issue there. Um, and I think that the, I, in, in speaking to like the hashtag talk and kind of the social network talk and all of that stuff, I, I feel like. Look, I'm 31 years old. I'm not. I'm not in like the age group of people that is no longer considered cool. All right, I, <laughs> I I've passed through that already, and I'm totally fine with that. You know, people who are young, people who are in 21, they think Twitter is old. You know, and so I I understand that, and and but when I see people reacting to it who are in that age group and who are really really connecting with the story, and a bunch of 30 and above men are being like, I don't think this sounds right then I have to go with the people who are in the age group. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Okay. Uh, I, that's just my personal thought about that. Um, I think, 
look, I think hipster is like a is like it's like the new hippie, right? It's like the way that we, the word that we all use to I be like, like I hate this person. <laughs> That's kind of like what mm-hmm. it, that it is. They do things I don't like, so I'm gonna call them a hipster. It's just like when people, you know, it's just like 20 years ago when they called anybody who, you know, smoked weed or whatever a hippie, you know, or wanted didn't was against a war a hippie. So um, I, I think that that it's it's that's kind of shorthand language. I, I think that they're acting like young people and us people who are older might not like the way they act, but I think that there are plenty of books that are written in a way that we find that's in our vernacular. You know what I mean? This is a book that's not written that way. And I think that's cool. You know, uh, do I do I, when I read it, I definitely was not taken out of it by the language. I definitely noticed it. Uh, but I, I I, someone says something too about like, Oh, the, the, she gets a text in her bedroom from someone in the same, the same, the same house, like calling it like unrealistic. I was like, no, I've seen that. I was like, when I was 21 years old, that that was happening. So I'm I don't. I'm currently texting somebody who's downstairs right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that stuff happens. You know, I I feel like there's a. I don't feel like people not liking the book is an invalid feeling. Mm-hmm. I just feel like you need to look at why you don't like a book, and if you're going to talk about it, you need to contextualize it a little bit better. That that's that's my feeling. About I it. think there, and we'll I'll get right to you, Steve. I promise <laughs> I'll shut up after this. I think there is some valid criticism of people mm-hmm. who it, the, as you saying, the book isn't for them mm-hmm. I think there is at another level and I haven't seen in our forums everyone's been really positively negative or negatively mm-hmm. positive which right. is which is super but I have seen around some of the old interwebs the creeping you're taking away my toys mentality yes absolutely I don't mm-hmm. get to have uh, Batgirl punching someone in the face and mm. blood coming out everywhere and mm. giant monsters and dark stuff. Mm. The person who was writing it didn't even want to write those stories <laughs> right. anymore. Yeah. So it's time for Barbara to move on and that'll be back somewhere down mm. the road Absolutely. and the other issues are still there. What all you yeah. folks say to me about, well, I can't have it be exactly. Stanley and Jack Kirby anymore. <laughs> go read some back issues. This is fun for a different audience and go f- try it. Steve, what did you think of Batgirl 35? Well then... <laughs> Um, it's difficult to, uh, honestly, now to think of anything that hasn't already been said. Um, I thought Go it was... It. What? Go for it. Well, what'd you, what, what did you think about the art? The art kind of threw me a little bit, okay. I'll be honest. Why did it throw you? Because I hadn't seen it until okay. I opened up the book. Um, I did not see any of the preview pages uh, that were going around. I had expected it to look like the cover, and that's that was kind of what I was, you know, what I was expecting mm-hmm. and what I what I wanted. Uh, I still find the art to be spectacular and fun uh, and fitting. If, if 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 no other word, it's definitely fitting for the attitude of the book. Um, there were things of it that I, I thought were were are going to take some time to get used to. Um, one of my favorite aspects of it, though, was the interpersonal relationships between the groups of friends. That even though we're just being introduced to these characters and these new people that Barbara lives with and interacts with. I felt the the warmth and the camaraderie mm-hmm. of the people within the room that, you know, even when the, um, at some point there's like an apology being made for a mistake that happened, you know, it, it I, I already like I already felt the history behind that mistake. And it was it was established for me and I and I it felt genuine. And for a for a number one issue to create an atmosphere within that room, within that apartment where I felt like a friend sitting on the couch just watching the whole thing happen. Mm-hmm. Um, that was probably my favorite aspect of the book. Um, I love the idea that we're, we're going out to clubs 
and that it feels fresh and it feels new and it feels young. And, you know, with all due respect to Gail Simone's run, which I absolutely positively loved, um, I am not opposed to letting somebody else or a different team take on this character and give me something that I haven't seen before. And that's exactly what this is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm all for it. I mean, I'm, I'm in this, I'm buying 36, 37, you know, I, I will be staying on this book. Um, fortunately for myself, uh, I've just been so busy since last week, since last Wednesday, when this came out, I haven't had time for any of that, like any of the internet stuff, any of the negativity I haven't seen. I I read Stephanie's, um, blog post that she, and I thought it was great. Uh, and that was my only clue into, you know, the buzz or whatever that was going around about this book. Mm -hmm. And, um, I'm trying to do something that, um, in trying and making an effort to to take myself more seriously and take myself more seriously as a, you know, just as a personality and a journalist and part of talking comics and stuff like that. I'm trying to stay positive, um, both in gaming and comics. And I just, I don't have time for the bitching and especially like the hollowness of some of the bitching. Like Stephanie was saying, like mm. some of you guys have got to just calm down. It's one issue. It's a new vision. It's a new era. It says it right on the book. You know, if it's not for you, then then that's fine. That's totally fine. That's completely up to you. But for the people that are enjoying it, don't shit can it for them. You know, don't don't ruin it for other people. And and you know, dig for dig for bones to have about it because some of the stuff that people that you guys had mentioned is just absurd. Mm-hmm. The double standards surrounding this book are are ridiculous. And just, go ahead, stuff. Um, to that too, and people who say that this book takes away everything that Gail Simone built up. No. Which is not mm. true. Not at all. It, You know, she's been in therapy so that she can be the person she wants to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's showing that there's hope for people who have traumatic events and Barbara's hoping to make a change. Right. And she's making an effort to make a change. And it doesn't just come magically. You right. know, all these people who had no problem that Barbara could miraculously walk again (laughs) are finding it difficult to, that she can miraculously try to be a fun person. Right. Shut up everyone. Seriously. (laughs) I mean, if you, if, I mean the way that I, the way that I look at it and the way that I'm approaching this book is you have Gail Simone's run, which was Barbara recuperating from all the tragedy, getting out of the chair her story is all about redemption and recuperation. I mean, is it not? Yeah, no, it is. So there are stages of that Mm -hmm. and we've been through, you know, the mud and through the sewers and through the blood and everything with her for 34 issues. Eventually Barbara has to start fresh. She has to say, listen, I'm going to just, I'm going to, I did my thing. This is, this seems all wrapped up. I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to, you know, reinvent and reestablish myself somewhere else and start the second part of this healing process that I so desperately need yeah. to do. And what better way to do it than to slap a whole brand new approach and face onto this character and this book. Right. So those are my thoughts about Batgirl. I think it's wonderful. I th- I'm, I'm excited about it. Again, there's so many great comics coming out right mm-hmm. now towards this this later end of the year. Um, some really strong starts for stuff. And yeah. I mean, this this team is obviously very dedicated to delivering something unique for this character, mm-hmm. and I'm always for that, for better or worse. If you're you're trying to make a difference with something, then I'm all for that. Yeah, absolutely. And I know I said one thing I think is great is that um, I love 
I love the mistakes that she makes because mm-hmm. if, if you're a 21 year old, you know, you're making mistakes all the time. You're doing things that y- you think are the worst thing you could possibly do to anyone in the world. And to see someone else going through that stuff and dealing with it, you know, getting too drunk and doing something stupid, fighting with a friend, you know, making a mistake that, you know, that, you know, cost you some property or something yeah. like that, you know, wh- whatever it might be, you know, getting your, losing your phone, getting it so on, things that seem insurmountable and huge to you to see them shown to you in literature is something that can be incredibly helpful i know it helped me when i was younger and i read stuff like that and i think it's great that it is what it is and i think oh. we've seen in the last sorry one second stephanie and okay. I'm, I'm gonna throw it back to you um I, the two books we got in the last two weeks batgirl and um gotham academy the i think the main difference between them is like i would love to give my kid gotham academy but i would love for my kid when he got he or she got older to find batgirl 35 on his or her own you know so that they could learn and know things because i don't want to show them people are drinking because you know come on i want to protect my kid but i yeah. but i i know that there's a realism to the world and that's something that this book is kind of dealing with in a fun way 70 why don't you close this out with our batgirl discussion well i just wanted to say you know speaking to the whole thing about mistakes i've done so many things in my life that I'm not proud of. I didn't finish school. I didn't, you know, like do any of the things I really ever set out to do. But there came a point where I just kept making mistakes and I kept doing other things that I wasn't doing. But in the end, they've all come together for me. And I love who I am now. And I love where I've come. And all of those mistakes made me the person I am. And flaws and mistakes make us better people when we learn from those mistakes and you know those are things we need to embrace in characters flaws aren't something to hate they're something to love mm-hmm. very good way to end it yes. stephanie absolutely all right so uh we talked about batgirl number 35 there and uh, arrow season premiere of arrow steve let's throw it over to you sir all right what do you got for us i got witches Witches is good i got witches it's a good book yeah yeah it is <laughs> Huh. All right. So last night I sat down in my bed and uh, I wanted to get a couple of books read so that I could participate for this show. <laughs> and the first book that I picked up was uh, Scott Snyder, Jacques, and um, Matt Hollingsworth. Yes. Okay. Matt Hollingsworth, uh, which is, uh, again, another book. I had not seen anything. I saw like a page of the artwork. And for whatever reason, I don't know what the hell was wrong with me that day. Maybe I woke, woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I didn't care for it. I know. I didn't care for it. I didn't care for it at all. And I opened this book and I went, oh, okay. Some jock right there. Yeah, right, right, right. So this is amazing and and, and I'm an idiot and excellent. So I sat down and I read this book. I don't get scared by comics. I don't get scared by comics at all. Mm -hmm. Like not even a little bit. This book... This book I read, I had to read like six other like happy comics <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> after after reading this because this book is scary. This book is scary business. Um, for those of you that haven't read Witches yet, I'll be I'll be very brief as to not spoil anything. But um, it's essentially the story of a young girl who has moved to a different town because she uh, in her old town had witnessed a uh, witch attack. And it was believed by the people within her town that she um, had killed this young girl that she witnessed um, the attack by, or was attacked, I'm sorry. And they're trying to, again, another book about a fresh start. And unfortunately, uh, as witches tend to do, once you're in their sights, they have a way of haunting you and following you to new places. 
And uh, this young woman and her family, unfortunately, don't seem to be uh, getting away from this situation anytime soon. So um, that's what the the book is about. But what I what I really wanted to talk about really quick is just why I liked it so much and why it really hit me. And the book is wonderful. The art is spectacular uh, by Jacques. If you've seen his stuff in the past, just super beautiful. Matt Hollingsworth's colors combined with Jacques work is, is exemplary, just really visceral haunting, you know, nightmarish stuff. Oh yeah. It's nightmare fuel. Yeah. That as much as the, as much as the writing is creepy as hell. So is the imagery. Oh yeah. Like big time. Mm -hmm. Um, but what really, really got me into this, I know what you're going to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is in the back of the book, (laughs) uh, Scott Snyder tells the story about, uh, he and his friend growing up and going into, uh, th- these woods behind uh, his friend's house and um, they used to go witch hunting and they hung out in this old, you know, decrepit van and stuff like that. And in order to uh, kind of lay his demons to rest, uh, Scott returned to this spot and went to go and, you know, check it out and make his peace and see if the truck was still there. And lo and behold, it was. And in the process of finding the truck, he saw something. And it's something that his friend had told him that he had seen one day and he never, like they just brushed it off. He never really believed him. But that day, 20 years later, after that day, they'd never gone back to the woods after that. He returns 20 years later and he saw the damn thing. Mm -hmm. And the whole idea is that whatever is there is always there. It will always be waiting for you. Um, I am a person who wholeheartedly believes in otherworldly things um i don't want to take up too much time because it'll be it'll be a whole epic if you guys want to talk to me about it elsewhere you're more than welcome to come and find me and then to see scott talk about a similar experience in the back of the book i was sitting there in my bed last night and i'm like i knew it i'm like i know i knew this stuff happens and it didn't just happen to me so i really i really attached myself to this um for anybody that hasn't read it if you want the pants scared off of you and you want to read a really entertaining book with, with ridiculously gorgeous art, uh, Scott Snyder's Witches is like, it's the book. Mm-hmm. It's so good. Yeah, it's great. And that, that backstory is like that essay. It's like a Stephen King story yeah. in itself. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I said a bunch about it last week. Uh, it's stupendous. Um, it's, it's just, it's really terrifying. It's like super terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like some of the images in this book yeah. are ridiculously scary. Um, I, I can't wait to see where it goes and, and what, what they do with it. The um, final page has me freaking out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> like I just like, I was like, no, no, no. I'm like, it's not over. Yeah. I, I need, I need the next issue like yeah. now. Yeah. So can't wait to see what comes of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to talk about it, but Batman 35. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other book, because uh, Batman is Batman, and it is wonderful, and I'm so excited about the new arc, um, but I did want to mention this. Stephanie, for a time, has been, I believe it was last year, or perhaps the year before, she was pushing a book uh, on the podcast called The Abominable Charles Christopher by Carl Kershaw, mm-hmm. and I happened to run into Carl at New York City Comic Con this past weekend and purchased both Volumes 1 and Volumes 2 of The Abominable Charles Christopher, and wow. <laughs> Wow. You with us, Steph? Uh, she stepped away for a second, actually. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll thank her later because uh-huh. this this is an amazing, amazing story. Um, you could actually read this if you go. Um, I'll, I'll give you the, the website uh, in a little bit. But um, it's a story about 
like a forest community and this abominable he's not a snowman he's just he's just an abomination that walks around the forest and he has a a heart and a soul of gold even even in the face of hunger and starvation he's always looking out for the little guy and always looking out for the other you know animals within the kingdom of of this forest and there is this nefarious dark malevolent force that is uh disguising itself as kind of a like a moon god and it's all you know gorgeous and inviting and all of these things and it, it basically is bestowing this mission um upon uh charles christopher in the way of like vision quests if you will mm-hmm. and in the backdrop of this this series it's the story of Charles Christopher making his way through the forest and making his way to these different destinations to solve this mystery as to what is what is in the woods that's hurting all of my friends, where is this threat coming from, and what can I do to stop it? Um, now, that all sounds very serious. I want to also let you know, this book is funny. It is super, super funny. The animals, they are animals, and they behave like animals, but they have very human issues and human problems so you've got a bird that drinks too much you've got a you know he's got problems at home with his with his wife and kids and you know you're constantly going back to his story or you know there's birds that are learning to fly and the the fears of you know taking that first leap and all of these things and there's a, a little like cockroach therapist that everybody goes to talk to and it's just it's super super clever and um really manages to tug at your heartstrings. There's some things happen some things happen in this strip that you don't necessarily expect and um th- things that happen kind of come back to haunt you in a way even through not situational but just in dialogue. Like somebody will say something that a character that's no longer with you said at the start of the book and you really loved that character and they're gone now and they repeat those like endearing words that they said. And like, I had to stop reading the book for a second and kind of like choke down a little bit and then, you know, continue on. Um, It's just beautiful. And it reads kind of like a Sunday uh, comic strip in that there are, you know, pages and, and panels of like, you know, four panel uh, layouts where it's just like a gag, you know, not to call it a Garfield comic strip, but you know, four panels where you get the, you know, the, the setup, the punchline, you know, you got the joke, and that's what it is. And then the very next strip, you're back to Charles Christopher making his way across the forest in the rain and, you know, falling into the mud and, and just going through hell to make things right by, you know, the forest with all of these things that we have yet to even see. I'm not even to the point where I've seen what they are yet, mm-hmm. but they're lurking and it's and it's doing damage and there's very little that he can do about it. And um, even though he's a silent protagonist... Um, I absolutely love him and it's, it's amazing. I don't even need words to, to, to fall in love with the character. So yeah, um, highly, highly, highly recommend it. Um, yeah, Stephanie could not have done me more justice than to, than to bring this book to my attention. Uh, it's the abominable Charles Christopher from Carl Kershaw and throw his website up there because the web comic, I guess is still going on. Yeah, I believe here it is. It's a www.abominable.cc. Um, I think he's on hiatus right now because of Gotham Academy and such. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still uh, going. Yeah, and there's still plenty to read uh, in the meantime. And you can read it all for free. It's all there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I bought the collected edition as well from him at New York Comic Con. And it's a beautiful, 
beautiful put together book. Super nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Bob, what do you got for us? Okay, where we're starting, we're lo- it's October, so it seems there's lots of horror going on it's around true. here. Well, for me, it, the most horrible thing of the week came from the folks over at Archie. It's the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, number one. And when you say horrible, do you mean in quality or in terror? In terror. Okay. In terror. <laughs> it's Roberto Aguirre Sacasa and Robert Hack. It isn't Francesco this time, mm. but it's a slightly different vibe. This mm. is just... <clears throat> It's more creepy fun, and I when I say creepy, it's the creepy, eerie Warren era of horror comics. It really has that sort of Bernie Wrightson kind of look to it, and it is an origin story. And we get to see Sabrina's mom and dad, and they're an interesting couple. I don't want to say too much. We get to see the ants, because this is all set in the, the time period. It's a blend of the vibe of the afterlife with Archie stuff. And the card, the original comic from the '60s and '70s, and the cartoon, and the TV show. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Has it all come together, and still be a horror story, and a really scary, creepy. It's witches. It's other things and familiars, and who can cast spells and make giant spiders and scare the kid that bugs you at school and whatever. I'm I tell you, this is a scary book coming off. You know, she, she should we spoil issue six of Afterlife with Arthur? <laughs> we did already. Anyway, yeah. you know. Apparently, uh, there's some notes in the back that the author is saying, we're going to go revisit that. That's a yeah. different universe than this one. Mm-hmm. This is sort of the alternate scary Sabrina story. But we will go back to seeing her as the Bride of Cthulhu, not less. <laughs> if you want to buy something, I, you know, moving forward, it will, I, I'm sure the quality will continue because he did mm-hmm. such a great job with the afterlives. A really neat, scary book, very unexpected is is the chilling adventures of Sabrina number one? Yeah, it was. You know, when I first started reading it, I was like, "Wow, this is this is dark." Like, yeah. you know, yeah. the 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 guy is like sacrificing his ch- you know his wife and his child, and it's you know it's. Uh, I was expect like after with Archie is it, it, serious and and it's scary, but it it it's the characters that you know still have kind of like that sense of or the sense of that I knew of of mm-hmm. those people, and this I was like, "Wow, this is like this is this is not in." the Riverdale that, you know, no. we we know at all. And it took me probably about 10, maybe half the book to really embrace what was there. The whole time I was like, this looks amazing. Uh, and exactly what I, I thought exactly what you were just saying about the, the style and the era in which it came from. And, but I still was like, I was like, I, I was still holding on to, you know, that different tone. And then once I got about halfway through the book, I really started to embrace what it was doing. And, I loved I loved that I thought that when we got that preview in in the in the back of numbers after the Archie six yeah. I thought we were gonna get like her a lot of her growing up into the teenage witch time and I love this issue it covers all of it from the, yeah. the sort of her birth really to the time where really this ongoing series is going to really hit and uh, by the end of it I was in love with it I thought that. What it did as far as, you know, the the scare factor, the chill factor of it all, the grotesqueness of the monsters, that spider thing is really scary. Yeah. And then the sort of demon thing at the end is also really scary. And I love how it connects to, you know, the whole kind of story of her. Uh, I, I thought it was fantastic. I, 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 I was, I wanted that, I went in really badly being disappointed that it wasn't going to be that you know that that uh, afterlife story, but left this being very excited about this in in its own right. Um, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah absolutely, Steve. Uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I read it uh, late last night, and uh, yeah, I was kind of surprised. 
by the tone of it and the, the macabre nature. I mean, not too surprised given that where it was, you know, spinning off from, but uh, like you said, I was still kind of in Riverdale mode and this is more, you know, Salem witch trials type stuff where it's just really gritty, horrible magic and terrible, you know, terrible deeds and sacrifices and, I mean, the stuff that, that goes on in the beginning of the book is just mm-hmm. awful. It's like Rosemary's yeah. Baby type of stuff. It's yeah. A, yes. yeah. You know, there's a, there's a point where, where one of the characters kind of gets theirs, and uh, I couldn't help but, you know, give, my, give myself a little fist pump because mm-hmm. uh, deserved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Deserved it real, real good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was also kind of surprised by the, like, almost like fast forward nature mm-hmm. of the, the delivery of the origin story. I'm I'm kind of glad that not to say that we've gotten it out of the way because that that sounds kind of dickish, but I'm I'm happy that we can now like we've set everything up to bring you into the now that we got everything we needed to know about. I mean, is this a new origin for her? I couldn't tell what was part of the old story and what's new because well, the some of the supporting characters are from the original series in the 60s. Yes, mm. I know that. Right. So that's what you get as an origin. I don't think this happened in the whole yeah. Archie comics. <laughs> yeah, cuz I'm saying I'm like I'm reading it and I'm like Archie's Funhouse was yeah. his debut. This was the, a different kind of Funhouse. The Toby like, Hooper Funhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm reading it and I'm like so is there like a fluffier version <laughs> of this in the other book or yeah. is this just really terrible and this is her backstory and I have no idea. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's just like, like the flash and arrow thing. Reading this in tandem with afterlife with Archie is going to be amazing. Yeah. You know, both, both series have, uh, just come from such quality and, and people that seem that are, that are making these books that seem really dedicated to delivering something unique with these characters and for it to be horror and for it to be as as dark as the horror is because you can do horror and it could be like you know oh funhouse horror Mm -hmm. where oh my god it's scary and something's in the school and they've got to scooby their way out of it and da 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 yeah Yeah, no (laughs) no no no, not that last page no there's there's gonna be you know there's gonna be hangings there's gonna be witch burnings there's Mm -hmm. gonna be you know terrible warlocks and witches and and all these things and uh (laughs) Yeah, and then the Sabrina book in the back <laughs> is just like, you know, super, super happy good times. And the rest of the book, it's such a, um, like the opposite, the, yeah. the dichotomy. opposite image. Dichotomy. Yeah, dichotomy. That's yeah. the one I was looking for. Um, I'm still very tired from the weekend. <laughs> and yeah, um, again, just this week was spectacular in comics and, and the, the delivering of solid titles, whether they be number ones or continuing stuff. Uh, it it just it blew me away. I read like seven really amazing books last night in in my time that mm-hmm. I spent, and uh, it was really refreshing because it 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 feels like we're entering an, like an upswing in quality. Well, we'll see for books. <laughs> one, it's one week. <laughs> hey, you know, Wait, all next week. Yeah. lots of lots of promising stuff though. Absolutely, uh, Stephanie. Did you read Sabrina? Not yet. Okay, <gasps> you'll love so it. I hope you didn't spoil it. No, no, we didn't I really spoil it. Okay. Yeah, no, we didn't. We talked about anything. It was funny to read that backup story, like the original Sabrina story, because she, but she, in that story, she's still not like good in quotes. You no. know, she's mischievous and she's a, has a little bit of like a, you know, a, a, an edge to her. So I thought that was interesting. You know, how they kind of took it to the next level with the 
no, the rest of the story. Well, the TV show was such that it fed back in a little bit. She yeah. was a little more grown up. And yeah. It always worked. Yeah. So. Um, all right, Bob, what, do you, what else you got for us? Okay. I've got to tie into an event book to talk about. I know oh you, you're shocked. <laughs> but it's because I actually buy this book to begin with. But it's a Death of Wolverine tie-in. And it's Nightcrawler number seven. Uh, the plot's by Marguerite Bennett, script by Chris Claremont, art by Todd Nock, and colors by Rachel Rosenberg. This is an absolutely amazing, emotional roller coaster ride. It's, a, it's Kurt Wagner's Requiem for Logan. Question. Yeah. Is he already dead in this? Well, just by saying Requiem. Yeah. Yes. Okay. okay. Yes. Yeah. He is. He, no spoilers, Death of Wolverine on the <laughs> top of the cover. And the cover by Jamie McKelvey is Kurt lighting a candle mm-hmm. for Wolverine. So he, I'm sorry I spoiled that Wolverine's dying. No, I just, <laughs> you know, with, with the delay of Death of Wolverine, yes. you know, it's, it's, we're now reading these books where stuff has already happened and we haven't even seen it. So I'm afraid to read it for the sake of, of spoiling no, what no, no, happened no, to him. No, no, this has nothing to do with events in whatever is going to happen in Death, Death of Wolverine, Wolverine by Charles Soule. Yeah. This is a friend reflecting on the life of another friend. And what cool. you have is a very grieving Kurt wandering through the school, musing about how we celebrate and how we grieve and how they're intertwined sometimes. And he finds himself in the danger room. And his memories trigger mm-hmm. the program and there's all their history together through all the years from the start of the X-Men and, you know, giant size number one, but wherever that was in the sliding Mm. Marvel universe and their various escapades and deaths and rebirths and how he, you know, Wolverine rescued him from heaven in the miniseries we saw before where eventually the machine conjures up these other images and he's just drawn in constantly. The, the, I don't know the division of, plot and script and who wrote and did what but as a joint effort this is just absolutely beautiful and heartbreaking and touching as this thing just unspools through here and i gotta tell you i i read this the other day at work on monday i was behind on my books and i was sitting down in the basement a whole bunch of boxes of shoes and whatever and read this book and was weeping <laughs> this is just absolutely stunning hauntingly beautiful sad but you, you love what you what you're exposed to here there's some characters you haven't seen in a while acting in in it's chris claremont he wrote these characters for years there's something going on here that you're tied back into this huge history of these characters with each other and it all still matters and it's all right there on the page this is going to be on my best list for the year there's just absolutely no question so i i've been told by our good friend rob newmeyer that this book has gotten goofy expensive already oh really Hmm. But not that many people are reading Nightcrawler mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the words are about what this book is and uh, it's gone hmm. nuts. Find a store. Hopefully I didn't alert the stores. They should be raising the prices. Hmm. Find a copy of this book. Uh, pour yourself a drink. Get out your Kleenex and just go for it. Just absolutely amazing. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Um, we've pretty much talked about all the books that I was going to talk about. <laughs> okay. uh, so I do want to mention, though, we, see if I, want, I don't want to leave Batman out to uh, out in the cold. So good. Uh, Batman number 35, the start of the endgame arc. Um, I don't want to say too much about it because a lot of it was already spoiled for some people, and I don't want to spoil it for anybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was amazingly cool to see Greg Capullo drawing the other DC Universe characters. Yep. Um, the, the opening... The, what Batman does... It is so wonderfully Batman, but also it, it, it has a sense of fun and 
I, I don't want to call it silliness, but it has a sense of a tone that is lighter um, than we've seen so far in any of the any of the big arcs that Snyder and Campulo have have put together. Um, it, you know, it, it seems like uh, it's going to be this particular villain. It's going to be a very different story with this villain than, than we've seen um, in, in previous incarnations, and I, I, it sets up a good mystery. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it it also it just shows you. I love seeing the Batman who it's basically kind of the contingency Batman where in case all of these other people who are like gods go crazy, this is what I have to stop them. And he's going through like all of those protocols at once. And and it's really, really huge and and bombastic, but still has that Snyder, um, that Snyder something to it that makes it great. It's really, really wonderful. Indeed. Um, all right, so let's quickly talk about our, our top three stories uh, of Comic-Con. All right, Bob, give me one of your stories. I had sort of teased it before. The great look at, at a con as it's changing. In the last couple of years, we've certainly seen a rise in, in women reading comic books, female-led books, female creators, and so on and so forth. But as con attendees, I would tell you that Sunday it was more than 50% women and children in family groups see you see a mom and her daughter dressed as wonder woman Mm -hmm. Uh, family groups doing the avengers of the incredibles uh lots of gender switched characters that really was stupendous to watch i saw a little girl i don't know if steve got a picture of her there was a little girl doing hawk girl (laughs) that was the most incredible thing i've ever seen real (laughs) working wings and the mask was flat out of the books and a mace and the whole thing and it was stupendous there's a future for this that if the the companies that we moan about the most the the big two frankly because the little guys are trying all sorts of things see this and act on it and they're starting to we're seeing with gotham academy and batgirl there's an audience crying for the who love these characters and want something to read with them in it and it's there if they just take their head out of their tuchuses and look a little bit (laughs) <laughs> but I, I was just so thrilled to see this. When I first started going to cons 30-odd years ago, it was, it, there were science fiction cons, and lots of women then and now read science fiction, read fantasy, read horror, and the comic industry lost them. Well, they're coming back, and let's go for it. It's, it's here for all of us now, and it makes it a better industry for, the, for everyone. Awesome. Steve, what's, what's one of your biggest stories from Comic-Con? G. Willow Wilson is doing a run on X-Men. Yes. She's doing four issues? Four issues. The Burning World, right? Yep. Great. 23 to 26. I guess that my math okay. is right. So, yup. Yeah. Yup for that. <laughs> um, very excited about that. I am uh, loving Ms. Marvel and love the idea of her her sensibilities being uh, placed onto the X-Men characters. I can't wait to see what she does with them. Yeah, uh, and if you listen to, obviously, the previous parts of the show, uh, Rob and Hugh talked about the fact that G. Will Wilson, when she was announced at, at both the Woman in Marvel panel and the actual in charge panel, it was like a rock star walked out on stage. Oh, I'm sure. They were like whooping oh, yeah. and standing and cheering. I know, Bob, you were at the Woman in Marvel panel? Yeah, I'll, yeah. Get, I'll get to that one, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Absolutely incredible. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was actually absolutely one of mine, too. I, I think that it's, it's going to get me to read um, those four issues of X-Men, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's fun to see a writer who, I mean, she's been around for a long time, obviously, but a writer who has obviously found her her place and found her niche in the comic book world because she's a novelist as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and she's 
a rising superstar in the industry, which I think is great. Um, Stephanie, what do you think about G. Will Wilson doing four issues of X-Men? I think that I might actually read that again. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, it's the all-women one, right? The Yep. Yes, yes. Yeah, I might actually read that again. <laughs> Maybe they'll make it what it should have been to begin with. Oh! Possibly. <laughs> Um, Seventy. What about you? What from afar? What were? What was one of your bigger stories? Spider Gwen. Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so that that must have made you happy. I was really happy. I I I realized after I retweeted uh, Heidi McDonald from yeah. the Beat that I was like, oh, I probably should have posted this from Talking Comics. Yeah. But funny, it was, I was just like so excited that in you. the moment, yeah. and I was like, Yes! Oh my God! This is everything I ever wanted since last week. <laughs> since last week yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah i'm super stoked for it i hope i hope i hope it turns out to be good and people uh, obviously support it yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um it's cool same team jason latour robbie rodriguez um are are, are are both doing it um such a fantastic job with that that one shot yeah. the spider-verse tie-in um it's apparently going to be in another in the her universe it's not going to be in the 616 mm-hmm. so i think that is also pretty interesting i think that allows for better stories to be told you know because you can you can kind of do what you want you don't have to be mm-hmm. a slave to the spider-man universe so i think yeah. was this on your list as well yeah that was definitely on my list yeah i i was the that was one of the first big things i heard coming out of comic-con mm-hmm. um it was one of those things where i heard it once I heard it like 97 times within the next five minutes. Everybody at the con, whether I was passing them by or was speaking them to the to them directly, were talking about that Spider-Gwen announcement. And I I mean the the writing was killer on that on that Spider-Verse book, but that art, man, I've been enjoying the hell out of that with FBP that mm. that whole run and him being on another book, that book. I am. I'm there. Mm. I'm so stoked for that, and I really enjoyed the character. Uh, I thought Jason Latour did a fantastic job establishing her and giving giving that that world or that universe its own vibe. And if they're going to keep it in there, you can. There's the potential for you know brand new characters and new villains mm-hmm. and and all of that stuff, and for her to be her own thing, you know. And um, to add another female, you know, spider character to the to the roster would be fantastic. I mean, that's what Spider-Verse is all about, right? Yeah. Is, is bring them all into the forefront and seeing what sticks. Yeah, absolutely. I, I want more of the Mary Janes. <laughs> yeah, I, Oh, Stephanie, I got to send you a picture of my t-shirt. It's a Mary Janes um, f- like faux band t-shirt and it mm-hmm. says um, Jackpot. Nice. On the front and it's the the band, the, the faces of the band down at the bottom. It's cool. awesome. Where'd you cool. get nice. that? Uh, it was, the, I don't know whoever made it. There's, it, this is one of 200. Uh-huh. Yeah. He signed the, the inside tag. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah. There was also on your list, Bob? Spider-Gwen? No, no. uh, no, because I knew, <laughs> but what, what is on my list that just got discussed really mm. is G. Willow Wilson and her mm. amazing, stunning rise at a, a Nerdist writers panel. She was on with Greg Pack. Was it really to say at two different panels? I, not that they listen here, but. I, to hear two professionals say, talk about that book as Spider-Man, mm-hmm. as what Spider-Man was in the early 60s, and to hear Axel Alonso say, oh, you know, Ms. Marvel's here to stay. Mm-hmm. This just book isn't going away. Greg Pak saying, you know, if it wasn't for Ms. Marvel, there wouldn't be Storm. Mm-hmm. It just wouldn't have happened. And G. Willow said, honestly, five years ago, we could have done the same book, and it wouldn't have sold. Mm-hmm. 
and and spread her love around to to Gail and to Kelly Sue and whatever and say you know these people did this mm. and now we're to someplace else and it's just so heartening to hear and she was great with her fans as people came up to her and just told stories it, it's it's amazing how it just grows and mm-hmm. she was stupendous yeah it really was cool awesome awesome yeah I mean probably well I'll, I'll talk about this one I'll leave my biggest one for, for okay. last um, uh, Gail Simone and Tim Seeley writing for Vertigo I think yeah. is, is a pretty awesome awesome thing to be happening two huge writers I mean especially Gail um, I, can't, I have it up here wait, wait Clean Room Clean Room which sounds really really scary yes we, I was at her table and her husband was showing me the covers it's Jenny Frizen mm-hmm. doing covers and they are creepy as heck yeah Clean Room is a mind-altering series where readers will get to look inside the most dangerous room on Earth and experience exorcism gone digital. Uh, it's, a, it's about a... I'll spoil it, because yeah. I'm not at it's this not point. Spoiling it's not spoiling it. It's, right. it's a uh, woman who writes self-help books. I mean, you, you could sort of say it's Dr. Oz or Oprah or L. Ron Hubbard, whatever world she's going to use it in. And uh, it's a young couple, and the husband's really into all these books, and married to this woman journalist, and she comes home one day, and he's committed suicide on their kitchen table in a pile of this woman's books. Mm. She goes to investigate and discovers the clean room. <laughs> Ooh. It look, looks great. Sound, any description of it, I did no justice to it right there, but really looks interesting. Yeah, and it's funny because uh, you know Tim Seeley's... Um, Tim Seeley's series Effigy looks like the exact opposite, you know? I mean, it's about like a murder mystery and stuff, but it looks, it looks vibrant and, and, and kind of fun. And I, I'm really excited to see both those people in, in that world. Mm-hmm. Um, Stephanie, what about another story from you? I don't know that I have that many stories. I mean, I kind of paid attention, uh, you know, as I did other things, I guess. Uh, the Gamora series is a pretty big one for me too. Um, you know, they're giving her her own book, just not her own merch. <laughs> yeah. And it's written by Nicole Perlman, who wrote yes. the movie yes. script. Yeah. yeah. So that's pretty exciting to me. Um, lots of lady stuff, like Spider-Gwen, Gamora, yeah. Girl Power, yeah. Watcha. Silk was announced as well. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Black Widow novel by Margaret Stoll. Yeah. Yes. That would be rad. Yeah. Um, supposing it's not like, it's more like the She-Hulk one and not the Rogue one. <laughs> right. Well, she's apparently a bestseller in that field, so yes. they really went to someone big. Yes. Good. Yeah, they did, absolutely. And she was so engaged at the panel. She was nutty. That's, that's <laughs> <laughs> Leading cheers. we got to get this trending on Twitter. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, Steve, what about, give us another story. Did you say something about a Silk solo book? Yeah. yeah. Whoa, 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 you didn't me. hear about this? No, dude, I didn't hear about anything. I was so busy. Yeah, they announced hear... it at the Spider-verse, Spider-verse, panel, yeah. Spider-Verse panel, yeah. Silk ongoing. Um, Stacy Lee is the artist. I can't remember the writer right now. Well, uh, yeah. whoever it is, that, because um, Gamora <laughs> was going to be my other one, yeah. but uh, a Silk solo, yes. I've, I've really been enjoying that character from Amazing Spider-Man. Uh, I think she has in, in, intense potential to be a very very cool character and a very different spider character Mm -hmm. uh her attitude so far that dan slot's been writing her has been in in my estimation unique to any of the other spider women and uh yeah it's like the year of the spider going on or something like that because Mm -hmm. there's tons of great stuff spiraling out from that and uh i've really grown into the spider the spider verse and the spider-man characters um since the start of the show Mm. And to see that universe, 
you know, it's kind of reminds me of like when I read Spider Island, you know, and I went through that whole thing in one shot and seeing how like large in scope that was and how exciting that was that if we're entering another era of, you know, giant spider related stories that are all going to, you know, maybe there'll be like another giant event where it brings them all together after they're established. And this is the building blocks for that. Then I definitely want to be on the ground floor uh, for that because that stuff has me very interested and very excited. Cool. Awesome. Bob, another story from you. I, yeah, it's from two different ends of the superheroine spectrum. One, a new book will be the unbeatable squirrel girl (laughs) (laughs) with a cover of a whole range of Marvel heroes and villains laying in a heap with squirrel girl, you know, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones's babysitter Mm -hmm. having conquered the universe. And it's Erica Henderson who did my baby's first mythos book. Mm -hmm. Ryan Ryan North, I think. Ryan North is big. Ryan North is the, he's the adventure time. Oh yes. Okay. Yeah. On the comic? I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think uh, so. It looks hysterical. I've fallen away from the Adventure mm. Time in, and, in the past year or so. Aw. No, not, but, you know, not, not on purpose. I just... There are other things. When I, I, once I... What, they're, they're in, like, season seven now or something like that. I just... I couldn't keep up. I, I, I don't have cable, so I have oh, no choice but to either... You know, I have to purchase it uh, online and stuff like that and or buy the, the DVD sets, which I bought, like, the first three, and then and I just I couldn't keep mm. up anymore. Mm. And the other book is Wonder Woman 77. Oh, yeah. Sort of like the Batman 66. The imagery will have her looking like Linda Carter and set in that time period. So we're looking at a book that could actually, between that and Sensation, maybe I can buy two Wonder Woman books in a month and actually feel good about it Mm -hmm. and not have to worry about the other one. And I'll be very happy. Apparently, she, uh, Linda Carter was too. She was retweeting it while they were announcing it. Apparently, she it blew up for her too. So. Right? Yeah, it's crazy. That's it's really cool. Just like the Batman sixty six. Yeah. It's a really cool thing to do. Um, and my final story uh, is the the re the new volume of Hawkeye. Jeff Lemire and mm-hmm. Rome Perez are mm-hmm. taking over for uh, Matt Fraction and David Aja. Uh, you know, I, I think that what Fraction and Aja did was singular uh, on Hawkeye. And I think that there's no real way you can just you could you couldn't go from Hawkeye number twenty two with them to Hawkeye number twenty three and act like there was it was just the same mm-hmm. series. So they're restarting at number one. I think it's in it's in March. I think. Yes. Um, and I think that um, uh, that it's you couldn't pick you you you, need, you needed you needed a team that was as prestigious as the team that was leaving and they managed to do that. Um, what direction the book's going to go in now, where, what it's going to be like, I don't know. I do. But I, so what do you mean? I do. He, no, he's at the panel. Right, he right, He's right, at the yeah, Excellence yeah, panel. Yeah. It's going to be about Kate and yeah, Clint well, and their that, relationship yes. and he saw, he can't, you can't top what Matt right. and David did. Yeah. So what he thought was the core of it was their relationship mm-hmm. and there are things and angles to, to work through that he really finds fascinating. Oh yeah, no. I mean, I know that part. I yeah. meant like what it's gonna feel like moment to oh. moment is what I mean. You know, what we're gonna see as the story develops, and you know, I, I don't know if he's spoken about how is it gonna be more like this run of Hawkeye, which is a little bit more. I mean, obviously there is an overarching story, but a little, mm. a little bit more episodic in the way that it was told. Or is it gonna be you know kind of a big you know Lemire type of story? You know, what, what what's the exact tone gonna be? Mm. We don't really know any of those things right. yet. Um, but I, I think if he's focusing on a relationship like that, it means he's gonna go for the the family feeling, the emotional side of what he does, yep. and that's always when I think he does his best work is when he's doing that. And the fact that Kate and Clint are going to be the co-leads of the book still, I think, is 
is the best movie they possibly could have made. Um, that 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 cover image they put out is absolutely yeah. gorgeous. It's unbelievably gorgeous. Marone Perez is is a wonderful artist. Um, he did obviously Tale of Sand. Um, and, and I think you're going to see a wholly different book, but I think still a, a really, really great book. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so that's it for the, our Comic-Con stories. Um, a couple really big things happened, uh, in the last like day and, uh, we don't have a ton of time to talk about them, but I want to get like just overall thoughts before we get ourselves out of here. Um, so we heard about Wonder Woman's origin in, in the Batman V Superman, Dawn of Justice. Um, and you know, Bob, Bob was not happy with it, obviously from this reaction, but I said to Bob when he came in, I was like, of all the origins I thought it could be, her being the daughter of Zeus is quite possibly the best I could have imagined it being in, in this version of, of, of their universe. I was convinced she was going to be some sort of like Kryptonian descendant or something that like that. That was the that. rumor for quite some time. So the fact that there is mythology that is going to be part of this, um, at least, uh, at least I can, I can have some monochrome of hope out of that yeah it's, it's too insane it's too insane for a, a goddess to help a, a childless woman by creating a baby out of clay but it's spot on okay to have her be the product of a one night stand between a god and the amazon queen yeah thanks thanks <laughs> thanks there uh warners um <laughs> you know i i'm not gonna judge it before we see it i think that i don't think that bobby agreed with you. it's not more neither one is more ridiculous than the other um, and I don't, I don't think that if they thought that one was more ridiculous, um, they were obviously wrong. Uh, but uh, like I said, the fact that there's mythology at all is something that I'm happy about because I did not see that happening. I did not mm-hmm. see there being Zeus and Hera in, in the pantheon of gods. I thought we were going to get some sort of science fiction reasoning. Maybe they're Kryptonian for her. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Stephanie, what do you think? <laughs> okay. I don't know. I mean, it's not as bad. Like, it's just, yeah. It's definitely an interesting way that they went with it. And I suppose it could be worse. So, you know, I'm just not excited for this at all. And I know, I'm sorry, everyone who's sick of us ragging on it. I'm sorry. But you just can't change, you know. 75 years. To be fair, DC already changed 75 years of it. So it's not like there isn't comic book precedent for it already. I want to be excited for this. I really, really do. I just, I'm not yet. Steve, what about you? I'm kind of with Stephanie and uh, and with you, Bobby. I'm glad that it's not going to be some Kryptonian explanation because that really pissed me off. Pissed me off. I, Bob, you also make a very good, everybody's got really good points. Honestly, if I could divide myself into three different people and just be like, I stand with all of you, that's what I would say. I'm, in, I'm like Stephanie and, you know, again, apologies. I'm just not excited. I'm I'm not I'm I'm excited to see certain aspects of this film, but I can't and I haven't seen it yet. I just I don't want them to to screw up Wonder Woman before she even has a chance to maybe have her own film or become, you know, the star of the show and I just I just hope that whatever it is that they're doing, that they're doing they're doing their best to have respect for the character and to create a Wonder Woman that we can you know, like and and be proud to have on screen. That's my that's go. my hope for this. Um, I'll tell you this: I'm, uh, as much as I'm not very excited, I'm a hell of a lot more excited for for that or than I am for the Fantastic Four stuff. But that's another story. <laughs> um, I'm just I'm just a little bit out of loss until until I see the film, which I will see it. 
Um, I I just I I don't know what to think of this stuff. Um, okay, so and then the other big story, and this is this is an actual like huge story that broke. Mm-hmm. Um, we we talked a few weeks ago about the rumors about Spider Man entering the the Marvel U right. and why that would be happening, and that still hasn't happened. But Robert Downey Jr. will is going to be cast alongside Chris Evans in Captain America three, um, and Marvel has not officially announced this yet but um it seems like it's going to be captain america civil war um uh this is what it seems like so uh which is exact reason why we were bring spider-man into the into the universe because yeah. he's a huge part of that story you can't really tell that story um without him i'm sure they can find a way to do it but uh, um we'll see what happens so um for those of you who don't know what civil war is it's obvious i think it's 2006 giant comic book series one honestly one of the you talk to a lot of people it's what got them back into comics got interested in reading comics in the first place it, it pitted you know uh tony stark and uh, steve rogers against each other in kind of against the superhero registration act which was saying that you know one side was tony was on the side of registering all the superheroes and cap was on the opposite side that it was a it was an infringement on civil rights and um he felt like you know government being able to manage that stuff was was dangerous and and that's what Civil War turned Captain America kind of into like a fugitive, and Tony into in fact a kind of bad guy of of that series. Um, we don't know obviously what that means for the comic books, you know, for the for the movies. We, Winter Soldier is obviously a loose adaptation of Winter Soldier. Uh, I, I don't think you'll see a literal adaptation of this. Um, but uh, with Robert Downey Jr. signing on for it, it seems like that's the only reason why he'd be signing on to do Cap 3. Uh, Bob, you were crying before, so why don't you tell us why? <laughs> I, For me, things like Civil War represent all that went wrong with comics through that whole period where you, you went away from villains with world-changing domination ideas and you went to the heroes having to figure it out for themselves as to which of them were worse than the other. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping the movie can do a better job of it than the comics did because, frankly, I thought the comics were miserable. Dark and depressing and poorly written considering the history of Marvel's characters and the way they had acted previously when this had come up during the 80s and 90s. And they had characters like Reed Richards who now were for superhero registration where back in Simonson's run, he and Sue were in front of Congress testifying against it mm-hmm. and how it all would do is hamstring superheroes. He mentioned Henry Jirick with the Avengers and they didn't get anything accomplished when mm-hmm. he was in charge because he got in the way all the time. If there's an alien invasion in the room right now, Senator, I have to go do something, but I can't wait for you to tell me it's okay. Right. Sue is, I don't need more files on my son in some <laughs> government office somewhere. And mm-hmm. there they are. No, the the books were terrible. I'm sorry. People love them. For me, for me personally, mm. I began to check out on events there. So I am hoping, with fingers crossed and Vulcan signs and the whole rest <laughs> of it, that they'll get it better in these movies because I think they're looking. They're the movies to date have been earlier mm. in terms of tone. We're talking bronze, silver. Maybe you lighten that up a bit. They've already Tony and Steve not gotten along as mm-hmm. far back as the right. first Avengers movie. They're already like, yo, let's step outside and yeah. put on the suit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So maybe it's at that level and not into full-blown, mm-hmm. the cities get destroyed. I'm hoping. I, you know, for me, I think that, this is just, again, I'm hoping as well. I, I'm not a huge fan of that comic book series. I mean, I don't have the the passion either way for it mm-hmm. that, that you do. Uh, I think that um, 
if the movies are able to be about something, right? If, if, if they're more about the ideas behind what Civil War is about mm-hmm. rather than the execution of what Civil War is about, I think that it could be really interesting. And the movies haven't let me down yet, so I hesitate to be negative about them right. yet. Uh, you know, I trust the people who are behind them. I trust Joss Whedon. I trust the Russo brothers. And I also think that they're setting some, they're, they're trying to set up a fiction reason to change up the cast of the Avengers. That is what I think. I, I think that, I, and it, this has been positive place. I think you're going to see Tony completely despondent from what happens in Age of Ultron because he essentially creates yes. Ultron. And I think you're going to see him go fa- far the other way for that reason. That he was left unchecked and look what he did. So he's got to change it, you know? Um, and I think we've seen how Steve reacts, Steve Rogers reacts in the, in the movies yeah. to any kind of government control. So I, I think you can get some interesting battle of ideas. I don't need to see Iron Man and Cap punching each other. We've seen that a little bit, obviously, in the Avengers, and it's fun because you knew that it was going to be a little bit. Um, I think you can get some interesting, there's interesting ideas behind Civil War, but I think that, like you said, I don't like the way it was executed in, in the comics. So I think that you can find interesting things there. I just hope that they're able to drag out the core that was cool and leave behind some of the stuff that was bad. Amen. Hmm. Uh, Steve, have you ever read Civil War? I have not read Civil War. Okay, so what do you think just about the idea in general then, unsullied by the idea of what the books were like? Uh, assuming that the movies are going to maintain the quality that they've you know, been able to this whole time. I mean, they, some of them just feel like they're getting better and better. Mm. Cap two was phenomenal. Mm. It's one of my, probably my favorite Marvel movie. Um, I'm, I'm up for it. I don't have the, you know, I don't have the book in mind. I've never read it. It sounds like something cinematically that they will be able to pull off. Like you said, we've got incredible talent behind these movies. You have, you know, actors that have been in these roles and are established as these characters for a while. They have that chemistry. I think that so long as all of the pieces are there and they have this story in mind to, you know, bolster whatever comes next, that they'll do it. They'll, they'll be smart about it. And perhaps, you know, they're paying attention to the idea that perhaps I've heard the way that it ends isn't really that great, that maybe they'll change the ending to an extent to fit the cinematic universe and it doesn't have to be exactly what the civil war book was mm-hmm. um so with that in mind i mean I'm, I'm always up for a new marvel movie i am they they've not let me down yet and i can't help but be excited even not knowing anything about it you tell me that they're making another one with these people um yeah right. so yeah i mean i i might read it in between mm-hmm. just to maybe you know have the the mm-hmm. grounding for it or whatever but um Maybe I would be doing myself a disservice. Well, I mean, I think you should read it. Uh, um, I don't think it will ruin the movie for you uh, at how, how all. How big is it? It's not big. It's like eight issues or something like that, I think no, it not, was. That's no. not bad. Yeah. There are some sidebars that you can probably ignore. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah I mean, I have the trade of the of the actual, you know, the miniseries, the event. Okay. Um, and I, I think it's a, but I'll tell you what, I think it's a brilliant move mm-hmm. financially for them because even people who don't read comics know what Civil War is. You know, I remember when people, when somebody told me about what Civil War was. It's like that sounds awesome. I want to read that. And I wasn't reading comics at all, so I think that it, it that's a very well good move um, mm-hmm. financially for them. Stephanie, what do you think about? Have you read Civil War by the way? And what do you think about Robert Downey Jr. being in Cap Three? Um, I don't have a problem with Robert Downey Jr. being in Cap Three. I haven't read Civil War, uh, but I I do own it, <laughs> um, and I've owned it for a very long time, uh, but I haven't read it and. Um, I can't say that I'm particularly excited for this. Uh, I don't know. 
it just leaves me i mean i trust the marvel universe everything that i've seen for the most part has been fantastic uh but at the same time just the premise of it just doesn't you know fill me with oh my god i want to see that Mm -hmm. right absolutely uh we'll have to see what happens you know i i i I am excited to see robert tanny jr and chris evans in a movie together for an entire movie doing their thing Mm -hmm. and cap 2 is like steve said is so good that i can't help but be excited for cap 3 no matter what they pitch me as the idea for it you know yeah Yeah. so we'll we'll see we'll absolutely see i think it's interesting i mean the what you've described is the story of civil war yeah it sounds interesting that you could get some some really interesting politic things going on in Mm -hmm. there and the the dual you know dual personalities between iron man and cap um butting heads could could make for some really like you know like scene like several scene stealers just Mm -hmm. not even like oh that scene was so awesome but just you know throughout the film really powerful dialogue and moments between the characters yeah i think the best thing about it honestly forgetting we'll get some Mm -hmm. great performances and so on and so forth here's a chance to really expand the heroic universe mm. because the, the they split the sides up, Steve. What mm. you ended up mm-hmm. with is Cap's Avengers and Tony's Avengers. Mm-hmm. Well, there aren't enough in the movies yet to right, do that. Yeah, yeah. So you, you may get through this, if only on a picture on a file or something mm-hmm. or on a screen, you may start to see some of these heroes being introduced you know, surreptitiously. And it's like, right. oh, wait, isn't that so-and-so? Yeah. Isn't that so-and-so right. Absolutely. moving forward into an Avengers where there are some rumors that the post-credit sequence right. is mm-hmm. the Avengers getting bigger because, well, like you're saying yeah. with Tony, something happens, he goes away. Right. So maybe it is Rhodey. Maybe it is, as has been rumored, T'Challa and mm-hmm. Carol. And you start to move forward into, we got to get bigger. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you know, you have, you have somebody like me that I haven't read some of these stories that people that have been reading comics, you know, all along they this is ingrained they know it they were there and all of that stuff something like the winter soldier i hadn't read the winter soldier before the movie was coming out so that was all new and Mm -hmm. fresh for me and it became my favorite marvel movie my favorite marvel story that i've seen on film so far so who knows maybe they'll take another event that i haven't been a part of and introduce it to me in a way that i'll fall in love with it i don't know yeah we'll we'll have to see and and if they bring if they bring spider-man into it it, it's gonna if that actually happens i mean i can't even imagine how much money that that movie makes (laughs) um but yeah so uh that's gonna do it uh for our uh, our post comic-con show um if you guys want to get in touch with us at talking comics on twitter facebook.com slash talking comics podcast at talking is the email address we have a lot of podcasts as well, guys. Lots and lots of podcasts. Mm-hmm. The Misfits, was this your fourth in a row that came out this week, Stephanie? Third in the ro- it's third. third in a row, but we're pretty excited. We're going to be covering games next week for Extra Life, and last oh. week was Kelly Sue's Mac- Captain Marvel run. Absolutely. We are on a roll. So um, mm. make sure you guys check out The Misfits and also um, follow along with information about the Extra Life team. It's on the 25th, correct? Uh, I believe so. Or the yeah, the 25th. Yeah, the 25th. So we'll keep your eyes out on our social networks and stuff for information um, about that. Uh, talking Valiant with Adam Shaw. Uh, talking Movies with uh, Brian Verderosa and Chris Oliphant. Uh, they reviewed Gone Girl and they just reviewed Basic Instinct. Wow. <laughs> I saw that. As part of their murder mystery uh, month. Um, uh, talking Games uh, this week, which we're airing a special episode. Yep, pre-recorded episode of How to Build a PC. Yes. Um, so we have that as well. Um, I want to, again, say a big thank you to uh, Hugh and Rob and Justin, um, who really just held down coverage for us 
at New York Comic Con. You guys are awesome. Um, and it was really a huge pleasure again to meet you. Um, and make sure you guys tune next week for our interview show. We have all our interviews mm-hmm. fr- from, from last week. Steve. Um, if I could just take a moment because we didn't um, get to talk too much about other stuff at the con. Uh, I just want to send a big thank you out to Aaron and JR and Ryan and Ryan's father um, for meeting up with us at the mm-hmm. Talking Comics uh, meetup. Everything was kind of scattered this year. Everybody was doing their own thing, going every which way. And, um, you know, we did manage to pull off a little a little gathering at the end of uh, Saturday mm-hmm. night. And it turned out to be, you know, very nice to go and see everybody. So just a personal thanks uh, to them for making the efforts to come out. Bob, you want to yeah, sure. That, that meetup even got bigger after you left. Yeah. Uh, Super Bad Larry Kyle showed up. Mm-hmm. And while we were there, we had Melissa, who was always fun to hang out with one of the Misfits live. <laughs> we had a, we had a slumber party. Right, it was and, amazing. And, and Danny. Uh, she was friend Danny was there, and yeah. uh, Carolyn Coco was there. Yay, we we took we took up a whole corner of TGIFs. <laughs> who it's probably the only restaurant in New York. No, I won't say which TGIF. There are lots of them. <laughs> where we couldn't get anyone to like do anything. <laughs> you go get your own food and go to the bar yourself. It's like hey, people, you know, waiters. <laughs> it's a concept. You know, it, it's worked. It really has. It's been all over the place. Yeah, we're not doing that next year. We're going to no, figure we, something well, else out. Well, yeah, we'll do a Shake Shack thing. We'll oh, yeah, the Shake Shack table. will be great. We'll be we'll all get in there very easily. I I know I know people. <laughs> I know we'll people. have an official party. We'll have the talking yes. comics party yeah. of the century. Yeah, exactly. yeah we'll invite some of the Comic Con yeah, guests himself. And the one other thing I did want to mention, mm-hmm. I'll do it now instead okay. of later. See, you're well, appreciated. There's no more later. So there's no more later. We're too late. <laughs> I just want to send our well wishes out to Harlan Ellison, who had a stroke last week. He's apparently recovering nicely. Uh-huh. He's still Harlan saying all sorts of crazy things and annoying the nurses, but apparently <laughs> mind unimpaired. Nice. Right side a little quirky, but he'll work it through it. So our best wishes to him. All right. So that's going to do it for the Talking Comics podcast for this week. For Steve. Later. Bob. Nighty night. And Stephanie. Me. I've been Bobby. Until next time on Talking Comics. To be continued. <laughs>